All right, y'all, it's uh, time for the Robert Scott Bell Show. I believe it's the 8th of August, uh, 2023, uh, it's, it's a Tuesday, yeah. And we've got a great show lined up. Derek Bros, uh, my brother, is coming on to the uh, show today. Always exciting to hear what he's what he's doing because he's doing extraordinary work. And then we have Heather Alashea joining us, uh, doing some life coach stuff. And who knows what else in between. we got a lot of stories to cover. So let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. One of the most controversial subjects I've ever had to tackle on the Robert Scott Bell Show has been the V word. And you know, you know what I'm saying, that word. And it has also been one of those words that has caused uh, a lot of uh, censorship, banning to occur. That you cannot speak ill of that which is the, what, sacrament within the church of pharmaceutical mysticism. If you go back to the history of mankind, of course, we've survived for millennia. How However you define millennia, that's a long time, maybe multiple millennia, without the V word being injected into anybody. And, and yet, in the course of the 20th century, the entire history of humanity was rewritten to include the belief or require the belief that there is no life without injecting the V word <laughs> into everybody, innocent little babies. Now, having been injected by the V word <laughs> myself back when it was only like four or five or six shots, I had an adverse event associated with the smallpox version of that injection. And I uh, developed the pox on my arm and then fell asleep on it as a young little infant child baby. And it reemerged. I wasn't a baby because I have memories of this very vicious, vivid memories of this falling asleep. I don't remember that, but waking up, seeing this thing, I, I have this visual of this uh, pox that you see on normally coming out of your arm also came out of the temple of my forehead, having vicious, vicious uh, migraine level, intense pain with within my head as a little, little boy, not knowing what it was. I couldn't even move my eyes fast. It would hurt so much. The movement that a child would just get up and go, suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, this vicious pain in my head. What the hell is happening? Now, we didn't know and somehow got through that and carried on with life and raised pharmaceutically, raised medically, many, many, many medications for the various allergies that I had, the skin rashes, the musculoskeletal inflammation, uh, the, the respiratory conditions. And on and on it goes. Infection after infection, you name it, I had it. You name the antibiotic, I had it as well. Now, I've talked about myself as the canary in the coal mine of Generation X, getting all the things that the millennials and post-millennials would be normal to have happen in childhood. Whereas asking my parents, my mom, my dad, particularly my dad growing up in America in Brooklyn and Far Rockaway, New York at the time, dad, were all the other kids sick like me when you were a kid? Did you have all of these allergies? Were you always on antibiotics? And he said, no, I, we were not. 
the away. We had one sickly kid in school who got everything. But other than that, we would have a cold or a flu and we'd be on our way like nothing happened. And I said, well, this is not good. I can't realize, I didn't know why it was happening to me and, and not a previous generation until much later. Growing up through a medical and pharmaceutical family, wanting to become a doctor when I grew up simply because I wanted to get well and help others to be well. And then realizing as my uncle Bob, the doctor told me not to be a doctor, that uh, you would be miserable if you did it. And I didn't understand it until later when I realized everything that they did to me, if I went to medical school and became a doctor, I would have to do to other people and I would be miserable because none of it helped me. All it did was suppress symptoms, but create 10 other symptoms. I didn't even mention fatigue, which is like, why should fatigue be part of childhood or even adulthood, quite honestly, now that I understand why fatigue occurs. And so my journey to an awakening in homeopathic medicine and naturopathic medicine and herbal medicine, dietary supplements, organic food, agriculture, etc., led me to have a different perception of the world that I grew up in and on. That my symptoms were never evidence of a drug deficiency, disease, or syndrome. Nor were my childhood symptoms a deficiency of injectable V-words, however few there were before the 1986 injury compensation program for the V-word came into being, where it had basically a no-fault system where those manufacturers of the V-word could uh, never be sued, unless there was fraud proven in some way, but never be sued for uh, defects in the, in the design, or if maybe it's designed to do what it's designed to do, and that some kids end up injured or dead. So, I, you know, I, I look at life differently, having been grown pharmaceutically, medically into where I am today and have been for a long time, almost 30 years now as a homeopath and broadcasting this show for now, my this is my 24th year, and communicating things that I didn't know growing up either, but still are considered heresy if you believe in the church of pharmaceutical mysticism, if you believe in that V word being the sacrament, oh my gosh, you can't survive childhood without one or all of them. And this leads lo a longer story to that short, let's say, result now <laughs> in a peer-reviewed article, which may be stunning to you. Maybe not you if you're here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Pretty cool. Uh, not good news, but it's good news. Certainly, maybe it'll awaken more people to the reality of the danger of those childhood injections, those rites of passage in this death cult of modern medicine. Headline reads, and this is at the Epoch Times, developed nations requiring the most infant vaccines linked with higher childhood mortality rates. According to this new study by Megan Redshaw, J.D., she's writing about this. Among developed nations requiring the most neonatal vaccine doses, they tend to have the worst mortality rates in children under age five. This is according to a peer-reviewed study published July the 20th in Curious, C-U-R-E-U-S, medical uh, paper. Our friend Neil Miller, I believe this is the same Neil, Neil Miller, and Gary Goldman has a doctorate in computer science. They performed several analyses based on 2019 and 2021 data to explore potential relationships between the number of early childhood jabs, injections, uh, by developed nations and their neonatal infant and underage five mortality rates. And, and so you come to, uh, I guess, you know, I came to this conclusion a long time ago that Injecting these things is blasphemy if we are to 
appreciate life as a gift from God, not government, not government that has been owned, purchased, and uh, basically bought and sold by the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmacia, the uh, the sorcerers. And we recognize this life is a grand gift by God and that to poison it, to intoxicate it, to desecrate it, not only with uh, you know foreign antigens, but RNA, DNA from animals or aborted fetal tissue from other babies that were, were uh, killed, that this was something that is horrific and abominable. And that, yes, you can have a religious and or spiritual belief that this is wrong. And I talked about this yesterday on the exemption uh, issue. And I asked the question, as they eliminate vaccine exemptions for religious beliefs, and get away with it in the courts thus far. You, you, ask, you must ask the question, why are they eliminating the First Amendment to the Constitution, which doesn't grant you a right of religious freedom, but acknowledges that which pre-exists the, the establishment of the government? Because remember, the, the Bill of Rights grants you no rights, but acknowledges rights that pre-exist government and even the Bill of Rights themselves, that government should not infringe upon them, violate those rights. Now, the next question that I had was like, wait a second, why does anybody have to opt out, exempt out? Why do we have to say, please, 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 I don't want the shot. Please give me permission not to get the shot or give the shot to my kids. Is that a valid question? Did you ever ask that question? Why do you have to ask to get out of it? Excuse me. Was I, when did I opt in? I didn't. Did I sign something that said I automatically get it unless I beg to not get it? And so look in the mirror, ask the question, how did it come to be that you were assessed and assumed to be part of an agenda that you could not escape unless you asked pretty please? And in that case, they say, no, not anymore, no philosophical, no religious, and good luck finding a medical exemption because the docs that provide them are, are threatened with loss of license for saying, hey, there could be uh, a medical issue here if this child or this adult gets the jab based on, you know, a number of uh, frac factors or parameters. What they might be, uh, I don't have time to go into. But I wanted to set the stage here to bring up my friend Derek Bros because I think he does understand this concept very well. This idea of where did we opt in? How can we have to opt out? Or can we live a life parallel to those that are enslaved to a medical, diabolical medical system that believes every ailment, illness, and symptom, whether it exists or it's yet to occur, is evidence of a lack of an injection of things you wouldn't feed your baby in a drink, in a baby bottle, because it's horrific, it's horrendous. So check out the article in the show notes at robertscatbell.com, and you'll check out the links to Derek Bros there as well in today's show notes, and we'll bring him into the mix right now. Derek Bros, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. See, where are you at, Derek? Let me pull you in here. Oh, I, I pressed the right button. I think he's there. Derek, you there? Yes, I can. It's so good to see you, my brother. And uh, lots of love and appreciation for you and all of your work. And uh, I just kind of bring you in on a, on a note that I think you can resonate with and bridge into everything that you're doing. I appreciate that. And thanks for all the work you're doing, brother, as well. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty state of affairs, just the reality of what we're facing and from everything like you said from doctors who are trying to offer exemptions being threatened with their medical licenses and to parents having to make choices like this and i think you pose it you kind of start the conversation in a good way it should 
have to opt out. As we'll get into, a lot of my work does focus on opting out systems. But I, I often find there are people, if they are open to these ideas, they kind of are in a mindset or, or maybe frustrated that they've lived their whole lives and they're like, well, why should I have to opt out of a system I paid into and that I built my life around and these people are coming at, um, I think it's a fair question. You know, I wish we weren't in the situation where many of us are thinking, hey, the best way is to start building something new so we don't get caught up in their great reset technocratic agenda. Well, yeah, and I, I talk about uh, contracts of adhesion that you didn't know. Maybe your parents entered you into via numbering your kids like cattle, which I didn't do for my kids, uh, even the birth certificate. I mean, these are, these are strange scenarios to consider because uh, we don't look back in history and say, you know, there wasn't a time where we always had to get a license to get married, to ask permission of the government. It's like, why would we invite them into our relationship? You know, isn't that a sacred relationship? And it, it involves me, my spouse, and God, for instance. And, and these things tie us into uh, or subjugate us to rules and regulations that most people are not aware that they tie us into. Absolutely. I mean, I think you make a good point as far as uh, the, the whole birth certificate aspect of it. Unfortunately, I probably like most people who didn't have a cool parent like yourself, uh, you know, keeping them out of that system. Most of us were tagged, as you put it, like cattle from birth. And then, I mean, even you, you could even take that concern and that uh, you know, that reality to another level, which is that since the 60s, they've also not only been cataloging people and giving them numbers from babies via hospitals, so building a large DNA database based on all of us with or, you know, without our permission, obviously, mm -hmm. as a baby. And most of the parents don't even know it's happening. And so these, I think COVID-1984 has caused so many people of various ages, uh, age generations to really rethink what they thought reality was and what their life is going to be. And, and many, like, again, built their lives and thought, okay, I'm going to coast in beers and live out my life. And now, because of the world we're facing, are having to rethink their involvement, their engagement. Do I want to keep my bank account with CBDCs on the horizon? Do I want to keep my money in the 401k? What are the best moves I should make? And if it to be in the system, or is there more of a benefit to try to have a backup plan that helps you exit if you need? need to. Okay. I lost the last word. If you want to exit and then it dropped out, repeat that last said, statement. I just said, if they want to exit, if they need to, if they need to have right. a backup. Well, and of course, plan, you know, an exit plan. Right. And many people are, are becoming aware of this need based on what's happening and what just recently happened. And you mentioned central bank digital currencies, which is an automatic full-on economic enslavement with no escape. Because every everything you do, uh, everything you buy or want to buy is basically cataloged in real time, and they can determine whether you are behaving according to those that control that money supply, and they will shut it off, shut it down. We recently had the uh, uh, covered, uh, I think just yesterday, uh, Joseph Mercola, who's been you know outspoken on some of the vaccine issues, and for many years as a physician spoken out against certain things that you're not allowed to speak out against. And they debanked him, Chase. This is before CBDCs. And they won't tell him why. Oh, this uh, unusual activity, unexpected activity. What does that mean? Well, we don't know. But they get to make the definitions and not tell you what they are. So basically, we're already seeing evidence of total control, totalitarian control over your behavior by shutting you down and locking you out of a system that is artificial, in reality, it's, you know, the paper fiat money system that would inevitably lead to this 
total control through control of, uh, again, the monetary yeah. system through a, med a medical monopoly, now a monetary monopoly. You make some really important points there. We have Dr. Mercola, he Farage in the UK, who was recently debanked as well. And you can go back and see uh, during COVID times, people in Canada donating to the trucker protests, some people getting debanked back then or you know, having their PayPal account shut down. We've seen examples of this happening in China, where things are much more technocratic controlled, where uh, there was an example last year where some protesters were going to protest something the government was doing. But since they are already very advanced in this and they have facial recognition, cameras everywhere. They've got everybody on a single app that you once the government became aware that there were people planning this protest, they shut them off, essentially locked them out so that they couldn't mm -hmm. even catch the bus to get to the, their bank. These are the kind of things. This is why I focus a lot on, as we were talking about a moment ago, the exit plan, the idea of what else is there if we see to have or anything like that. But should also recognize this uh, infrastructure in the next few years, which, by the way, 36 and a half years away. These people have trillions of dollars. They're working with every government in the world and multinational corporations. There's a lot of energy and momentum. While we should, I think, push back and educate and try to resist where we can, I also think, in my personal view, that a lot of our energy would be better served in trying to think of what comes next for those of us who know that we want to live in the world with digital IDs and CBDCs. You know, these the IMF, the World Bank, and these organizations serve. They're just now starting to test out their Fed Now plan, which is in this direction. We can clearly see it on the wall. And in my view, I think we would be um, doing a distractions if we see what's coming. I mean, we see the writing on the wall and we choose not to do anything about it. So um, essays and things focus on trying to be pro proactive and say, okay, well, let's look at different areas of our life. You got food, you got different areas and look look at the ways that we are under threat through the IDs, CBDCs, to control the food supply, all these things, and try to see how can we, does it mean we're all going to become farmers or go out and buy land, uh, even though I think that's a fair goal and a, a reasonable goal to have but the more the less less dependent the better off you will be when they clamp down because as you said uh, robert i mean they're already debanking people and we don't even have cbdc's yet so that should be a big warning sign yeah. that they don't even need this infrastructure to do these things so why should we sit yes. around and wait the more independent you become and and when i say independent i, I don't want you to think in terms of no man is an island. Oh, he's saying that all you have to do is isolate yourself. No, no, we, we've got to do through uh, in freedom to choose to work with one another, to live amongst one another. In again, it's a different context than centralized planning, bureaucracy, centralized power structures. There's a natural inclination, I've, if left alone, to find you know, what's good about other people? What do they do that you don't do well and vice versa and find a way to interact. And, and we've seen that with the homesteaders that are out there. A lot of even the local farmers markets providing, you know, things. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what you're, you're good at. Things like that. And it creates this community that for too long has been thought to only be possible via, again, centralized central command structures because the belief or perception is that we couldn't do it ourselves. We're not smart like those people that have gone up to the highest ranks of the artificial control reality.
you know, whether it be at the international banking systems or World Health Organization level, United Nations medical pharmaceutical control of the population. We already have so many tools to address the many ailments that are uh, basically being thrown at us because of what, what I opened with, the idea that we can inject children and that they're somehow healthier rather than making them chronically ill or killing them in child or infancy, as we see in the, in the modern, uh, more modern societies like in the United States where there are, there are larger requirements for these shots. Uh, so when we talk about decentralization, uh, there is freedom there, but many people are afraid of freedom because they've been convinced by those centralized power brokers that freedom is dangerous and, and, and that centralized control communist Marxist control is the only way we'll be safe enough to survive. Again, there's a lot of programming going on among young people, Derek, and that's concerning to me because they don't know the history of why and how America came to be in the high ideals that it was set up to do. Yeah, I think you make a lot of great points there. You know, I'll start with the importance of decentralization there and just echo what you said. Uh, I do think there's been a lot of programming in our culture and the education system, you know, the mainstream public education system for the most part is, is at least one of the forms of indoctrination that we all face. And I think we have been taught to believe that only through governments, only through centralized organizations can real change happen. Uh, not to say that no change can come that way, but the idea that that's the only way human beings are capable of organizing and affecting change, I think is, is seriously flawed. And I would this if you are thinking okay i hear you i see the problems i'm interested in looking for a parallel way or looking for other people who are like-minded because as you said Robert, on our own none of us are you know intelligent enough capable enough have all the skills we need we really do need communities whatever that might look like for you that could just be your family it could be your church it could be local groups of activists you collaborate with it could be the online community but I definitely want to emphasize the importance of connecting with people in your local area. And to that point, I, I would invite you to check out freedomcells.org. Freedom cells as in C-E-L-L-S, like the cells in your body. Freedomcells.org, it's a website that I helped uh, co-found a network, really a worldwide network of 40,000 plus people that we originally launched in 2016. But as, it, you know, as human beings are, we're slow to react and we usually only act when we're under threat. COVID came along and we went from about 1,000 people to where we are now, 40,000 people all around the world, really popular in parts of the US and the UK, uh, parts of India, Australia, other places. The whole idea though is you can go create a free account, put what your skills are, what your interests are, what your goals, put your local location, don't put your home address, but maybe just the general area where you're at. And then once you join, you're added to our maps and people can come along and you can search, show us all the members nice. within 10 miles yeah. of where I live or show me all the groups within 10 miles. And it's a great way to plug in. It's a great way to connect to people and, and the most important in the real world and say, okay, we all have similar goals. We live near each other. Yes. How can we start growing our own food or how can we get to know the farmers near us or let's all invest in an alternative currency or create our own or whatever goals you may have. I and mean, this is how we're really going to build the parallel systems that are needed. And we're still in the very early stages of this, but um, it's not just us doing it. There's so many other people I think who've gotten this message and got the clue the last couple of years that like, we need to build something new. We need to counter them uh, by just competing directly and just building something better that actually does reflect our values. Yeah. And you, uh, I, another friend of mine and ours, John Bush also uh, introduced us to freedom cells some years ago as, as well and encourage you to uh, take that, uh, 
uh, let's say technology that we can utilize to bring it back into the real world uh, from the artifice that it has become and begin to exchange that information and make those connections and make them real, not in a cyber scenario, but in a real world. Here we are exactly. on the ground on the planet. And that's where we can salvage that future and thrive once again in the midst of a lot of uh, challenges, to say the least, that are artificially induced. This is not of God's uh, work. This is of man's creation because we have been granted free will to create and run amok, if you will, on this planet. Uh, The question is, do we have to participate in it and with it, the craziness, the insanity, once we wake up and say, hey, that is not life-affirming. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to support any form of slavery, subtle or overt. And what we've talked about, you know, a little bit with with the CBDCs, et cetera, is economic slavery. Where is the freedom to decide what you want to exchange for what? In 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 without having the forceful uh, centralized banks say, no, 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 the only thing you can use are things we can track and approve and disapprove of and shut down should you in fact, believe something we don't want you to believe. Let's say you read the Bible and you're, uh, you know, a, a deeply uh, committed Christian and you have viewpoints on certain things that are not hashtag woke. They shut you down. They reprogram you, reeducate you. And you'll find that if you want access to the money that you're relying upon, because you didn't know the things we know or Derek knows, uh, you realize that you, if you want to eat, you're going to have to compromise your beliefs. Now, the question is, how strong are your beliefs at that point? That's a real challenge. Do you have a deeply held conviction yeah. or two or 10 or a hundred that cannot be swayed by all the monies in the world? Yeah, I think that that's. Such an important point, Robert, because we saw this during COVID already for free. Start, Derek, start those thoughts again, because we dropped, you had a dropout. I lost some of the words. I want you to start again with where you were going right there. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. I was just saying, I, I don't think we've mentioned yet that I have a book called how to opt out of the technocratic state and it's available to download for free. So I want to make sure everybody in the audience gets a copy, theconsciousresistance.com slash how to go there. You can Find all about it. You can purchase it if you want, but you can download the digital copy for free. It's available in Spanish and German and Japanese coming soon. Um, I wrote that book in 2019 before COVID and kind of thinking about these ideas because my background, my, my journalistic background is digital surveillance tools. So I've been paying attention to facial recognition, social credit store, scores, and digital IDs since back in 2015. And obviously now, post-COVID, a lot more people are talking about these things, thankfully. But when I was writing the original book and the set earlier this year, the post-COVID edition with new chapters, I wanted people to really think about those terms that you were just putting it there, Robert. Like, how how strong are your principles? And what are you willing to stand up? Are you willing to, in this moment where we, again, you can see this, we're looking at it, we can name it, we, we don't know exactly when it's going to arrive and what form, but we know it's coming. And, and this, I believe, is the prime time to be acting, right? Instead of waiting till okay, I'm listening to Robert and Derek and they're telling me these things are coming, but I'm not going to do anything. And then a year passes and then a two years passes and then CBDCs are here and you've known the whole time, but you chose not to act. You will be in a difficult situation. You will be then forced to decide, am I going to continue working? What could happen? Uh, or maybe, or am I going to choose to keep expressing myself on social media, knowing those risks? Like These are questions people are going to have to answer. And we saw this during COVID, we're having to make decisions of, Do I want to 
get the shot to keep working? Do I want to get, mm -hmm. I think this is positive development. People went to the alternative economy, the parallel economy, and some people who are good tax paying citizens were willing to get fake vaccine cards or fake pass, uh, PCR tests so that they could continue to travel and could continue to work. So, and I met people when I was in Mexico, because I moved to Mexico at the beginning of families, they grabbed everything they owned and they. Derek, pause for a moment. If you can disconnect and reconnect, because I'm, I'm losing the connection. You've frozen up. They and, came and down to Mexico. Derek, if you could disconnect and reconnect oh, I see real that. quick. And I will uh, try try again here. Uh, listen, what Derek's talking about, again, very pragmatic, very practical. And it's a question of, uh, man, it's a harsh reality to confront. Like this dystopian science fiction future that you've written about or read about in Philip K. Dick novels. You know, it, it, this is a reality in which we are living already. And the question is, do you wait and pause thinking that there's a deus ex machina to save you? Or do you, you know, wait for Jesus's return, for instance? Uh, and in the meantime, is that is that what we're asked to do? Just kind of sit idly by and do nothing? Now, I'm not encouraging engaging in warfare, direct assault on folks that have trillions of dollars and all the biggest weapons in the world out there, uh, back and call. But the reality is that I've found in, in natural medicine, for instance, the most devastating ailments, illnesses, and diseases that we perceive, like cancer, can de be defeated not by a head-on assault. That's called toxic chemotherapy that can end up killing you faster than the cancer would do it. But a withdrawal of consent. And, and I see that in terms of physiology in cessation of feeding the beast. In this case, cancer, if we talk physiology, you starve it out, you fast it out, et cetera. Find out what it eats and don't feed it. Or if you want to do the other trick, the laetrile trick or something like that, feed it what it wants that poisons it and doesn't poison you. Okay, that's another way to do it. But it's subtle. It's, uh, it's not a head-on assault where you couldn't survive it. But the withdrawal of consent, the cessation of feeding the, the enemy, so to speak, and that can be done again as well economically as you decide to chart a different course. And Derek Bros has been at this for a long time. I respect him immensely, and I'm so grateful that we have connections to uh, theconsciousresistance.com as well, where there's a lot of great stuff there. Derek, you've done amazing work. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Am I coming through okay now? Yeah, a little better. Thank okay. you. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I'll just wrap up that last thought briefly. I mean, I just, again, was just echoing what you said, that people really need to, for one, understand what their principles, what their values, whether those are spiritual values, whatever those principles that you hold dear to your heart. We know what's coming. We can see what's coming. You wouldn't be here listening to a program like this if you weren't already somewhat aware of what's going on. So now we have questions to ask ourselves. What are we going to do for your grandchildren or your children or just the future generations that are coming if we see what's coming and choose not to act? Again, in my view, we are failing the coming generations and I think also failing our ancestors who worked very hard no matter where you come from on this planet through blood sweat and tears to get us here in these moments and I believe this is why we're here uh, I believe the creator put us here for this moment to to affect change and so for me I'm coming from a very proactive mindset like what can I do to start helping my friends and my family and encouraging other people to take to get proactive to not be stuck in these what I consider slavery systems so that when the day comes and they do turn it into CBDC or the digital
individual drivers they're coming you're not hold on we're, we're getting some warbly connection here lincoln you're talking about something so important oh, i wonder no. I wonder often if there's if this is an element of sabotage, but you you talk about digital driver's licenses as well. Anything that I, uh, digitizes your identification distances yeah. you from your true spiritual origin as a child or creation of God. Again, not government, not inter international banksters, fraudsters, etc. And again, shocking as it may be to hear, even today, although I think less so than when I started my show talking about these things as I studied this back in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and began was shocked myself so much so that I was afraid to come out from under my covers to realize how the world really works, who's in control, who's in charge. Now, ultimately, I believe, as they say, God wins. What does that even mean? Uh, but it just means that we are here to learn. And I believe grow spiritually. And the question is, in your spiritual perspective, is slavery a part of that? spiritual journey? Is that something to emulate, to adopt, to uh, either participate in as a slave or as the, as the captor and slaver? Or is there another way to live in freedom, in co-creation with God that is not disempowering, not imprisoning, but freeing? Is that too much to ask, Derek? I think that's a fair, a fair goal for everybody to have, uh, you know, to have a life that can be connected to the divine, connected to creation, where we can eat good clean food and drink clean water and have healthy air and healthy clean skies i mean i think these are things that most people probably aspire to now whether or not we believe that those things are actually possible uh unfortunately i think the the folks the the predator class the technocrats who have taken over and have been in control they've convinced people that what we have currently is the best that is possible or what they're trying to create is the way towards happiness, right? If we just get everything digital and we have smart cities and 15 minute cities and we give up private property and we give up our ability to drive and give up our ability to choose what we eat, then we'll finally have that peace and happiness that we all believe we, we have. But I think you said something very true that this isn't God's creation. And I do think the further, at, for all the beauty of these digital tools, the further integrated, because there's one thing about looking at a camera and working on a computer, it's a whole nother thing once you start talking about injecting and uh, kind of wearing these things. And the future of this technology is wearable and injectable technology that digitizing everything. And as we know, the transhumanist agenda. So these are these are all important conversations and questions that each individual and fair is your red line. This is, I think, one of the most important things, because if you don't have it comes, you're going to just keep taking more and keep taking more. And keep... You know, I will not accept X, Y, and Z. And if I following steps, move to a different city, you know, whatever, you decide the solutions. It's up to you, of course. But if you don't even know what your principles are, you don't know where your red lines are, you're going to get walked right over and you will wake up one day and your money will be CBDCs and your uh, ID will become digital and it'll be very difficult or at least more difficult and already now it's pretty difficult to operate outside of that system. You know, So I, I think that we should use the time we have now to try to focus on using ideas like freedom cells and local mm -hmm. community, You know, just organizing to build outside of their systems and lay the foundations for whatever's going to come. And I can't even claim to know what that's going to look like. I just know it feels rather important right now. Derek, when I look at uh, the, these big issues over the time that I've been studying them for decades now, there were times, as I mentioned, I was so frightened that I would hide under my covers. And I, that's not like a cartoon example. I would really be under my covers going, I don't think I want to come out. And, and yet, 
what has given me the strength to come out and communicate this, you know, day in and day out for the last 24 years, in addition to the other years prior to that and prep for this? Well, it's my connection to the divine. And I don't say that as, as being superior to anybody, not at all, but humbly to recognize that I am part of creation as are all of you. And the question is, how well can you practice to connect with that and recognize not just in faith and belief, but in knowingness and walking that path that the worst that can happen is they take you out of this life chain, but then you are reunited on this in a spiritual sense, very directly with that, which created us all. And that's not to mean that there's a desire on my part or anybody's part to, to, to leave here before you're ready or before you're, you're done. But the point is, the fear is what controls us. The fear is what that keeps us it, it captured or in the future of their capturing technology. And, and you know, the question is, it, it, when you get to that point, go, well, they're just too big and bad. I could never beat them. I was like, don't, don't beat them. Leave them. Let them of their own accord do what they're going to do. And you don't participate anymore in that because you don't want to be liable or responsible for the things that it brings on in terms of enslaving others capturing others, damaging, yeah. injuring, and killing others the way they're doing it. You know, I mentioned just, you know, at the, yeah. the top of the hour, a new study showing that the most vaccinated, heavily vaccinated countries, usually very industrialized countries like the United States, have the worst infant mortality marks, you know, and it's like, wait, we're the most advanced society, and yet how come our children are dying? Could it be those artificial interventions not necessary, not required, certainly not of God, but of man's arrogance and ignorance, playing it out and then creating a debt for yourself by participating in that system. And if you have participated in it, get out now before you have to burn and you know what and repent. And I, and I don't mean that in terms of one definition within religious context, but sincerely go, good Lord, am I sorry? I had no idea. Now that I know I will not participate, I cannot go back. And that was my journey. I couldn't in good conscience participate in the system that was doing such great harm or others would say evil in that. And that, again, it's a difficult place to get to because we don't want to believe that man is capable of doing that to other men, women, and children, the things that we're learning about. But that reality has to be acknowledged. And then we could say, you know what? I'm done. Derek's got some good ideas, alternate realities, which shouldn't be alternate. That should be our reality, setting those up and doing them now, not waiting for permission because they're never going to give you that permission. Yeah. And I think you really hit the nail on the head is about how fear really is their ultimate tool. Uh, I mean, it, I think that these, these architects of terror would love to see all of us just living in fear and choosing not to act. You know, there's the, the phrase that has uh, become popular recently being blackpilled, right? So this is somebody who they're going to come destroy your garden. You say you want to go buy land. They're like, you ever heard of Waco? Uh, you talk about, you know, building community. They're like, oh, they're going to spy on you. Or, or that person's a shill. You just, they've totally lost hope, unfortunately. Right. And they become nihilistic or just kind of consumed by that fear and apathetic. And there are a lot of people who I see in the broader freedom truth community who just watch shows like yours and content like mine and maybe a whole host of others and they just click through them maybe they're not watching mainstream media anymore but they're just watching okay what's robert up to okay what's derek up to and if they're not hearing solutions it becomes this kind of conspiratainment infotainment okay they're not watching the mainstream but they're just watching this as if it's a show when real life is happening right outside there and they're not taking any actions and some of those folks and from talking to people like this feel like it is hopeless there's nothing we can do things are you know screwed it's it's they have too much power 
I wholeheartedly reject that idea. I believe there's so much we can do. I still think that there, you know, it's late in the game, but we still have time and still have opportunity. And uh, do not allow yourself to fall into that. I encourage you to don't let the fear consume you, the apathy consume you. And I do believe what we call between myself and John and the Freedom Cells movement. And in my book, we call it exiting and building. We believe mm -hmm. exiting from these systems before it's too late and building new ones is the answer. So I just want to encourage people to whatever that looks like for you, because I know we all have different backgrounds mm -hmm. and expertise and skills. We all have something to contribute, I believe, though. Yeah, if we look at these Luciferian schemes of enslavement and they're varied and they're subtle and sometimes they're more overt from time to time. Uh, we can get into that victim state of consciousness once again, as you've said. Even if you're aware of it, you become hopeless. It's like at every turn, you find a reason why it can't work, why it won't work. You know, anybody that has just worked on, even within the existing economic system, success stories, uh, you've got to eliminate those folks from your life. And I don't mean that in a cruel and unusual way. It's just like that state of consciousness will bring you down and bring you back into a victim state where, yeah, you won't achieve and accomplish anything that you might actually be here to do. And the question of power, who has the power, right? Well, these people are engaging in mind games and mind tricks. I argue that one man, one woman, one soul connected to the source of all creation is way more powerful than a billion engaged in mental mind tricks because they worship something far less than creation itself, right? A subtle but important distinction when we go into the, these lower realms or lower bodies from the mind on down. We are so much beyond and greater than that, but the fear deceives us and drives us back into those lower realms where we're operating more like computers, where we're being programmed to believe those things that we are powerless. They have all the power. We can do nothing. And that becomes a fact. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. <laughs> That's the power of belief and co-creation. Absolutely. Robert, can I go ahead and share my, my mantra that I usually end all my videos and talks with? Because this seems like a perfect moment for mm -hmm. it. Okay. And if you want to say it with me, feel free or repeat after anybody listening. And I've been doing since I was younger. I, you know, when I went to prison, struggled with mental health, depression, a lot of stuff when I was younger. And this was part of my transformation and it's on my shirts and it's in my, my book and everything. It just goes, I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. So maybe that'll be useful for some of the audience. I'm writing it down so we don't forget it. I am powerful. I am beautiful <laughs> and I am free. And, and this is a declaration. This is not, I will become, I hope to become, one day I might become. I am the I am principle. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. You can add in, I am loving. I am respectful. I, you know, there are a lot of ways to do it, but it is, uh, how would we say it? It's a part of the, I would call it solar spiritual programming of the lower bodies that are operating on belief systems that have often been programmed into us by others that are not invested in our power other than what they can take from us rather than remind us of that power that exists because of our very existence. Yeah, I'm glad you resonate with it. And yeah, it's definitely about the I am. I mean, that to me is just using those statements is, is very powerful and strong and that and like you said, whether you want to add I am loved, I am loving, etc., whatever serves you or works for you, uh, it you it works for me and and in my darkest, weakest moments sometimes re reminds me just to stay on track and keep going. Cause again, that is part of the spiritual war. There's warfare 
to try to get in our heads and make us believe that we are less than we are and to get doubt into our minds. And um, when we push that away and we recognize this is that strength and if we come together and we, we create something beautiful, that amazing things can happen. Giving into the black pill, everything is you know screwed, we're going to lose no matter what then we win and they lose. Give in to that mentality and we think there's no hope or we think there's that your voice doesn't matter and it won't matter if you show up. It doesn't matter if you don't express yourself. It doesn't matter if you stand up. It does matter. Uh, so, you know, don't let them get into your mind. When I went to prison and, you know, I do journalism and I talk about some of the heavier, darker stuff, but also I think mental health, spiritual health, Physical health is all part of that. And to me, that's the conscious resistance. It's bringing those two, those kind of sides of the coin together and recognizing that the search for internal freedom and uh, physical, mental health, all of that is mm. part of the exploration of truth and exposing corruption and providing solutions in both areas. So then in the conscious resistance, what have you found is the path of least resistance? Just trusting. I mean, I can say that my spiritual beliefs come from uh, native spiritual spirituality. So, I mean, I Sundance and go to Sweat Lodge as often as I can. I grew up in a Christian family and I have a belief in a creator and I have, uh, you know, a lot of my own personal beliefs. But for me, it really comes back to trust. I know that I'm when I'm going in a good way, that, that I'm just simply trusting in crea creator to... And whatever those doors look like, you know, whatever situations I find myself in, I just trust those to be. I try to navigate the best I can and just keep praying, you know, and I feel like that served me fairly well. I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense for everybody, but knowing that in the past, I put surgery thinking that I was in more in control. And I think I wasted a lot of my young life with uh, mental stress over things that I had no control over. <laughs> Well, that's where we put the ego in charge, and we we need that in terms of our outer existence in a physical world. It's not that it doesn't serve as a tool, but of course, if we put that in charge, then we are deceived, misled. We are driven by the the five passions, if you will, of the mind, anger, lust, greed, uh, vanity, and uh, what's the last one? I forget. Uh, the uh, Greed. Uh, attachment. Oh, that's an interesting one. That last one, attachment. Uh, and an attachment is something that is quite extraordinary because it can be something that we've seen in the COVID era. Like if you do not do what I tell you to do, that thing you are most attached to, and it could be your job, your career will be taken from you. And so that attachment to that thing allows you to, well, facilitates that compromise of a principle you thought you had that wasn't really a principle because you were more attached to that outer world reality than the principle that deeply connects you to the source of all healing, the source of all wisdom, the source of all your power, that love, and et cetera. So it's an interesting thing when we talk about what your journey is and what I have often talked about, the path of least resistance. And that's why I asked the question. That was brilliant in terms of your, your journey. That isn't something that we always need, funny enough, on this journey. We often choose the path of most resistance 
because it is there to strengthen us. You know, you've heard it said, that which does not kill me makes me stronger, for instance. But at a certain point, I think when you navigate some of the toughest things in life, you realize, oh, I don't need that just because it's tough. If I've mastered that, now I can go a path of least resistance to allow people to see there are other ways to get there that may be more direct if you don't feel like you need to go through that journey of bumps and bruises and cuts and scrapes, because we can learn. We are capable of learning from other people who have experienced these things along the way and are teaching us like you are teaching so many. You've gone to prison. You've been through a lot. Now, does it mean everybody has to go through that to get to where you are or similar place? No. And your willingness to share your journey openly is a gift to us all, I believe. And it's it's how we can can make leaps without having to go through the viciousness of those who have lost hope and say, it's it's lost, they've got too much power. And that belief system becomes a reality for them as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Sorry, Robert, looks like my battery's flashing at me, so ignore Hello. that for the moment. Uh, but yeah, the reason I, I share my story so publicly and often is because of that, because whenever I give public speeches or if I decide to talk about it in my videos or things like that, uh, there's always somebody who comes up to me and says, hey, I've never gone to prison or had trouble with drugs or these particular specifics of your story, but I struggled in this other way. I had this journey and, and it allows for them to connect to it and kind of just have their own experience through that. And there's also, I think, just such a huge stigma in our society about people who've had trouble with drugs or mental health or prison. Uh, this was 18 years ago when I was arrested, right? So, and the funny thing is in, in the mainstream world, the matrix, it still does apply to me. You know, people will maybe make judgments if they hear that. But in my normal world, where I live as an independent journalist, nobody's ever asked me about my felon history to write an article or to produce a documentary. And so I find that interesting that I've basically, again, I've had to create a parallel world for myself where their judgments and things do not affect me and do not impact me. But if I was to go back into their world and you know, try to get a, you know, a job at some mainstream place, it would absolutely come up that I have this history from 18 years ago. So ultimately for me, it was just about trying to create a new, a new path. Yeah. It's been extraordinary uh, getting to know you and know your journey and mission in this lifetime. And uh, I respect you immensely. And I'm so grateful that we've connected and I hope we can do more. Um, are there events that you're going to participate in? Like this coming weekend, I'm going to be in Des Moines, Iowa with G. Edward Griffin and the crew for the Red Pill Expo. Uh, are there other events that you're going to participate in that we should know about or an upcoming events tab on your website? Absolutely. I'm sad I'm going to miss that one. But uh, right now, so I'm, I'm based in Houston right now, back in Texas. So I have some events I'll probably be doing here locally. But the next big event that I would invite people to check out will be in Mexico in January. I'm the co-founder of The Greater Reset, thegreaterreset.org. We meet every January at the exact same time that the World Economic Forum meets in Davos. But instead of talking about top-down technocratic solutions, we talk about bottom-up grassroots solutions for five days. There's music, there's workshops, all solutions-focused no talks about, you know, debates about this thing or that thing. It's just what can we do in the areas of mental, spiritual, physical health, alternative economy, getting off big tech, uh, food, permaculture, building communities, homesteading. All those ideas are explored for five days, and I invite people to check it out. It's also streamed online for free. The website is thegreaterreset.org, and that'll be in January of 2024. But uh, other than that, people can check me out at theconsciousresistance.com. My documentary series is at thepyramidofpower.net. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to share my message, Dude, brother. Derek, man, anytime. I just enjoy thoroughly what you're doing, your journey, your experience, and how you're imparting that on other people in a way that's empowering, not at all disempowering, uplifting, and inspiring. 
And uh, I'll have to check that Mexico thing out. I've not done that. Where where would you go to get down, down there? How do you, I mean, is it like a far in the jungle or how do you connect? No, no, we're in the, so it's in Morelia, Mexico, which is central Mexico up in the mountains. Beautiful time of year. January is a great time of year, beautiful weather. Uh, and there's, it's, there's an international airport there. So I, I mean, I fly there from Houston. I imagine you could get there from most major cities and we'll be putting up details pretty soon about our lineup. Maybe we need to get you to come down and speak Robert and experience it firsthand, uh, as a speaker. I, so we'll follow I'll up. Be about that. Let's talk more. Like you said, I love, I love, love, love what you're doing. And, uh, I think his battery just went dead. There I go. (laughs) You got to recharge my brother. So good to have you on the show today. And thank you for flexing with me and uh, making it through all the technology that uh, we appreciate and loathe all at the same time. Exactly. All right, brother. Thank you, you guys. Have all right, Derek Bros, and we've got him linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. And I love that, uh, the, you know, the various journeys on this path. And, and, and this path is encompassing all of these paths. You know, your path is uniquely your own. I've talked about so many times how you may have deeply held religious beliefs or convictions, and you find out in your own church, synagogue, temple, or mosque what a re- wide variety of beliefs that exist within that. And that is by design. You are created as an individual and a divine, I believe, spark of God, soul, and that your journey here is uniquely your own, but you might find at a time that it intersects with many others that don't have the exact identical journey, but it's somewhat parallel. We find that we're moving in a, in a similar direction, that one that resonates with things like empowerment, freedom. Uh, we can name a lot of other things, but they don't resonate with slavery, <laughs> or canceling, or, you know, the other things that go, you know, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like uh, the godly part of, of our existence here. And whatever that might be for you, speak it, live it, share it, tell your story, because this is how we counteract and go beyond, if you will, the limitations of those that perceive that they have all the power, or if we are deceived into believing that they have all the power, it's because we've stopped sharing our stories of wonder, of connection, of extraordinary experiences well beyond the limitations of what? The power structures that have been established to restrict us, to enslave us, to limit us. Again, that's part of our journey, I suppose, to grow up and grow out of it. And that's why I say this is ultimately a spiritual journey. And when you recognize that, you begin to become more loving. And and if I say this word accepting, it isn't meaning that you're tolerating evil but at recognizing that there's a journey each of us are on and you might have to go through some hardship. Maybe you've been through many of them already and you begin to be less judgmental of those who are going through them, but you want to inspire them to see that they are connected to something far greater than those, let's say, blips on the way, those disasters along the way, those traps and challenges, et cetera, that they're here for us not to happen to us, but happen for us, for our own greater spiritual unfoldment, development, and benefit. And then maybe we can impart that inspiration and love and divinity on others or for others or to others when they're ready. Because I don't believe in beating it into other people. I think that violates their fundamental freedom that was granted to them as it was granted to me by God. Life, what else? Agency, freedom, choice. So as we wrap up the first hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show today, I appreciate Derek Bros for joining us, and I hope you'll link up at robertscottbell.com. Join us in the chat room. 
as well. Sign up for the the newsletter. It's free. We have our next Zoom AMA coming up, I believe, the uh, toward the end of the month, the last Saturday of August, and that will be the 26th, and that will be uh, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And if you haven't uh, participated in one of our patron AMAs, they are great fun. A lot of help is given for everybody that's involved there and a lot of giveaways too. So with that, we're going to pause for a moment. We'll be back after the top of the hour, a little uh, education break. Please say thank you to those that support our message, your message as well of health, freedom, and healing liberty here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where I remind you that the power to heal is yours. All right. Anybody want to become an intuitive health coach? Anybody know what that is? If you don't, you're going to learn about it this hour. Uh, We've got a a dynamic new guest joining us in the second hour of the Robert Scott Bell Show in just a little bit. And uh, Heather Alice Shea uh, is going to join us and we'll learn about the intuition revolution. And boy, boy, if moms and their intuition would rule, uh, uh, we'd all be healthier. There'd be little to no injury in childhood, autism damage, et cetera. Listen to your gut moms and dads too, by the way. We'll see what we can do with that topic coming up. Thanks again to Derek Bose, Rose for being on uh, hour one. Sorry about any connection issues, but I thought it was too valuable to, to, to bag it. I needed to, we needed to power through it to get that message and recognize that the reality in which we live is a product of our own making or our making along with others. And we come into agreement, our belief, comes into agreement with others' beliefs or beliefs that are imposed upon us that we don't even realize are being imposed or programmed on us. What's that, honey? Oh, I got tea. Whoa, was that an intuitive response to my needs? Thank you. I love that. Woo, that was awesome. I didn't even know I needed that. You are enough. such a diva. I am a diva. You know that. You've been with me for, what, 18 I years this now? Is food delivery. <laughs> You just but, did you just DoorDash tea uh, there I, uh, I, as you were aware? <laughs> I wasn't aware that I had done that. That's amazing. I think wow. my honey saw how how much stress I was engaged in 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 working through today because <clears throat> I had meetings that I didn't know about and I had to I had to travel. I know, feel bad for me through rush hour traffic, which I never do. I think that's one of the cruelest things you can do to people unless they find, you know, beautiful ways to manage it. I'm just not used to that. I, I made it through and it was a good meeting. Uh, it was related to the, uh, your health freedom, uh, Utah event coming up early October, uh, that I'll be speaking at along with, uh, uh, Jared St. Clair. And we're going to have a great time there. Thanks to Kristen Chevrier. We'll get them on and focus on what's going to happen at that event. But then, um, I had a training to do. Nobody knew this last hour, but I wasn't here first hour of the show. Did it look like I was here? You weren't supposed to tell people our secret. I, I like I like giving. I'm, a magician like never tells his secrets. Okay. What did you? T- I did. I was here. Everybody, uh, I was here. You don't know what I'm. You, I'm, you were here, but not here. I'm trying to be transparent. I actually uh, was in two places at one time. You think I've uh, mastered the art of bilocation or something? But I did a silver and copper training for a co-op in in uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, as well last hour, which was kind of cool. Uh, really receptive, nice place. You know, I was up there for the We the Patriots USA event. What a neat little town that is. And uh, here I am back here for hour two after having a wonderful conversation with Derek Rose. And, and I got to tell you the, the the fun part right there towards the end. Did you notice that there was this little blinking thing up in the yes. upper right hand corner? What was that? 
and and it was like blink. Well, in fact, I think I can even make it blink here. Let's see here. I'm gonna play this. <laughs> Yeah, so he's talking. Is. You see that? Yeah. And it's like blink, blink, blink. And I'm like, you know what? I think that's a, a battery indicator. <laughs> oh my god! And I was just like, oh crap! I think it's. I think he's gonna. His picture's gonna go away, and then and eventually it, it did. It did. That's right. Uh, that was that was the first time I saw that happen. I was that like, was I was like on the edge of my seat, you know, waiting to see what was gonna happen if he was gonna make it or not. We still had audio though. That was all yeah, right. yeah. But dude, so. that was a a really important topic about you know as I talk about coming into agreement with reality. You know, people think there's an objective reality, and it's a fascinating and even philosophical discussion that, you know, you probably want to smoke weed while you're doing it. I'm not saying you need to. I'm just saying that people do that, and they go all philosophical about these things. But we come into agreement with reality, and much of reality is imposed upon us from birth. We're programmed into a belief system. And here we talk about a lot of things on this show. Super Don, you know this from the years you've been with me. Like, what reality are you in, RSB? Like, mm-hmm. I never heard any of that. That's true, too. That's real. That is. And so we have an ability to like, technically coexist with multiple realities all at the same time. The question is, does it result in multiple personality disorder? You know, and then you, you can't function? Or are you grounded in what I would call the spiritual connect- connection to the source of all healing and wisdom, etc.? God, whatever. People have different names for it. Uh, so it's a fascinating discussion to be able to go through something that is I guess on one level, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, counterintuitive, because we kind of believe in certain things. We're like, wait a second, you you can't just leave this reality and create your own, right? And, and isn't that the, the kind of what Derek Bros has done in talking about, you know, exit and build? And 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 Doug, uh, our, our buddy Doug has talked about that with Brian Jones and the farmer, you know, creating your own, you know, homestead and then Derek really rightly said there are a lot of people out there that they say they black-pilled. They're black-pilled, where they believe it's hopeless, it's worthless. Why even bother? Everything you do, they can counter. I'm like, really? That's where you're going to go? I'm sorry, I can't follow and go there. That's not the reality I'm going to engage in. But you have the freedom to choose that. Yeah. So, anyway, good discussion first hour. Now, you have a story before we bring our intuition revolution and, and, and all that it encompasses in this hour. Uh, there's an article here about, again, another not-so-nice reality, if you will. Uh, Marianne DeMasi reports, Pfizer and Moderna are dodging questions and plead ignorance at a Senate hearing down under in Australia. And remember, we were covering Australia and how uh, draconian the lockdowns were, the shutdowns, the force, the mandate. I mean, it was brutal. We interviewed people from Australia, what was going on. They shut down states. Nobody could travel. You couldn't walk out of your home without permission. I mean, just totalitarian in response to a man-made circumstance, not a God-made circumstance, that it tended to be the real devastation was delivered via syringe. And now us, the Australian people are waking up and even people in government that bought hook, line, and sinker are going, wait a second, you, you did what? It does what? Pfizer and Moderna executives were grilled under oath about COVID-19 vaccine policies and safety. Uh, Senators were firing questions at them. They were dodging them, refusing them. They wouldn't answer it. What about stopping transmission? No, it it never showed that it could do that. They just, I mean, all of these things, it's not like it's new for you here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, but I guess for most of these Canadian, I'm sorry, in this case, Australian uh, people, they've not listened to or watched the Robert Scott Bell Show. I know we have fans down under, but Many of them did not, and they bought hook, line, and sinker. And now, much of the devastating impact on their health, they're losing their health or lost their health. They've lost loved ones. People have lost their lives, not due to COVID, but due to the response to it. 
just it's an amazing thing to witness, even though we should have, or you should have, I, I mean, you should all over everything. I don't mean to be mean on that, but should we not have known that if we were relying on the pharmaceutical industrial complex and all of its demons spawned coming from IG Farben, Nazi Germany of, of World War II, that they would likely be lying to us, deceiving us, even harming us for profit? Would that be unusual? And to No, that's par for the course. How many billions of dollars in fines here in the United States have they paid due to violating the law, the regulations, even though they own the regulatory structure, the FDA? And it's sort of like the payoff, backroom payoffs, the revolving door, all of that. That happens in Australia. It happens in Canada. It happens in Europe. happens in New Zealand. All of these places. These jabs never prevented any infection. They caused problems, and they caused problems, and they're still trying to promote you using them. And it's just embarrassing. As I said, I'm embarrassed for doctors and scientists who, who bought and believed this. Could you have known better? Yes, but you didn't want to hear it. Not from a radical homeopath who has a radio show or almost anybody else, a family member or otherwise. It's like, no, 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 you're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. Why should I listen to you? Because we paid attention. We saw patterns emerge. We learned about toxicity. We learned about the difference between injection and ingestion. And we learned about nutrition and things that Flexner Report Medical School curricula did not encompass except to call anybody who promoted nutrition to prevent cancer as a quack. Ducks were not killing you. Doctors were. Officially sanctioned and licensed medical doctors that were granted an exalted place through monopoly medical practice acts and licensure by various governments at the state level here in the United States and elsewhere. And then granted freedom from liability. Should what you do, prescribe, ingest, whatever, or recommend, cause illness or death? And let's say intuitively, it, what happens if you are to convince a person that they have no liability should they injure or kill? The Milgram experiment showed that humans are capable of delivering great depravity, evil, and injury. When they're, when they're told no, no harm will come to you, it's okay, just keep going. They're told what to do, even though they know they're hurting somebody. Oh, you're fine. Nothing's going to happen to you, and they'll do it anyway. One of the things that we recognize when we grow spiritually is that we are responsible for our behaviors. And that's an uncomfortable place for some of us, but others of us go, you know what? I would much rather be responsible for my behavior than uh, just what if we're not? Then anything goes? What kind of life would, would you lead or would you have to navigate if all other people thought, hey, it doesn't matter what I do. There's no retribution. There's no karmic debt or anything. Spiritual maturity demands that we take responsibility for our freedom. And if your freedom then is granted unlimited, let's say, abs absolution from liability, that freedom then runs roughshod over the freedom of other people. Remember, your rights end where another's rights begin. It's another mature you will, spiritual or otherwise, I would say political and legal maturation process to recognize your rights are not unlimited. They're limited by the rights of others. But if you're violating no one's rights, <laughs> carry on. And our government in the United States of America, uniquely among all governments of the world in history, recorded history at least, was established to protect the rights that were inherent by virtue of your birth, your creation, 
and that preceded the development or creation of government. And that is unlike any other form of government ever established, again, in recorded history on this planet. That's what makes the United States of America unique, even though we have not always lived up to those high standards. But there are those of us here that are trying to reestablish that. Remind people like Jonathan E. Mord, my good friend who's running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, someone who wants to institute, you know, permanently transgender ideology, critical race theory, which is a racist uh, teaching in school that children are inherently victims or, or oppressors. What kind of message is that? Is that spiritually mature? No, it's quite immature. So with that, we could use some intuitive healing. We could use some intuitive revolution. We could learn a lot in this hour, I believe, as we're joined for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. She's an intuitive, how would you say, I mean, you're going to have to intuitive life coach. How, how can you be, can become one? Could I become one? Can anybody do this? Heather, Alice Shea, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel like you've just took me to church this whole episode. I'm so <laughs> privileged to be here with you. I was in the well, like, yes! <laughs> this is, this is te technically or figuratively or intuitively, it is my healing ministry. It is true. Amen. Uh, but everybody's welcome. It's non-denominational and you can be whatever religion or not religion you want. And I, I enjoy having you with me and learning from you as well as preaching, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. And like you said, I do believe that we're on the cusp of an intuitive revolution. So I appreciate a chance to to speak about this. And the answer to your question is, heck yes, I believe absolutely anybody can be an intuitive life coach and step into that intuitive revolution um, to help people return home to themselves. You know, we have gotten ourselves into a mess, haven't we? And I appreciate your the, the powerful voice you're bringing. I mean, you're just not, you're like no holds barred on this subject. <laughs> and it's just no hold, like you're you're going for all the kicks and the and the punches. And I I can only imagine how challenging that would be every day to to put your voice out there. So I just want to recognize you for that. Um, oh, it's quite it's very kind of you to, to yeah. acknowledge and yeah, it's 24 years into this broadcast. Uh and and I'm just I'm I'm really empowered i'm uplifted by the the audience response overall yes there's been certainly over time hate and denigration but again this is not where i focus my attention and i recognize that you know this message can resonate in a way for, differently for each of us and sometimes it can strike us wrong because it's like oh my gosh i have to self-reflect and look and where where i'm falling down on the job i'm not doing as well as i'd like to and i don't try to do it in a judgy way because i've been there mm -hmm. and i have to remember that and i have my my producer super don and my wife she, it's like, if I get a little out of sorts, you just slap me back down because I, I don't want this to be an ego-driven uh, process for me. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. It's not uplifting then. This is more than that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, you know, I as I've reflected on what I would share with you today, it's really, again, great to be here because it's taking me back to parts of my life and my story. I think so much of the healing process is considering who you were before the world got its claws into you. And it's bringing me back to what, you know, I've been thinking, gosh, what did inspire me to do this work? And I have a tendency to forget that it's my own healing journey. I had a spontaneous mm -hmm. healing in 2012, a spontaneous remission where I was on death's door and the next day, wow. like, oh, yeah, which we can Gee. get into that. I, yeah. um, and I, and I don't share that story a lot, but mm -hmm. that's what got me into this work. And 
Um, I think there's a lot of really powerful lessons in that story. And ultimately, it's why I believe in the power of intuition and have truly dedicated my life to bringing research-supported frameworks and education with respect to this profound inner mm. spiritual technology that, in my opinion, is actually the answer to all of this. It really awesome. is. So, he Heather yeah. Alashay, I'm fascinated to learn about your spontaneous issue, too. But I, 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 part of my story is praying to God for healing. Oh, and, and the fact is, it didn't come for me as a spontaneous healing. In fact, I had to learn to be grounded in what I call spiritual laws and spiritual principles to apply, to be open enough to hear the message of, here's how you get well, to change my diet, my lifestyle, and apply yeah. these laws and principles in a ultimately, not, not just a physical way, but in a universal way. And I look back and I say, I wonder if I, what had happened if God answered me with a lightning bolt and I was healed spontaneously, well, what would I be doing today? You're about to... <laughs> Well, you might be doing what you're doing now. That's it. I think I think God walks us into our purpose. God, spirit, universe, you know, mm -hmm. like you, I don't, all the language is great with me. I think the point is to go home. Um, I used to be allergic to the word God, and now I love it. Um, mm -hmm. I had my, my reconciliation with faith. I actually grew up Mormon and went to college at BYU-Idaho. So, you know, I had to really, you know, get within and do that work as well. But um, for me, I think it was a spontaneous healing on top of years of illness so, you know, that suffering was there and mm -hmm. it was certain, like, that was the ordeal I think that walked, that walked me into it. But, you know, mine came through prayer too. Mm -hmm. Mine came through prayer too. And I think ultimately it's when you touch back in with the truth of who you are and the truth of, you know, the greater truth that it, it just totally has nothing to do with this material world we're in, right? It is primordial. It, it originates mm -hmm. from a place that cannot be touched in this world. I believe that's where all healing from within comes. However, we walk into that journey. And I wish more people were aware of that. So they would become less reliant on external systems, mm -hmm. which let's be clear, really don't care at all. And as a matter of fact, yeah. directly benefit from your illness. So, yeah. you know, when the guy who's selling you the poison is selling you the cure, you got a problem. <laughs> oh man. And the cure is more poison, of course. Uh, I, I like, what you're saying, I can resonate totally with it. I just, uh, I think that our, many of our problems, if we call them problems that are here on this planet with us are due to an over-identification with the material world. You mm -hmm. know, it could be as simple as our bodies that we inhabit. We suddenly identify that this is who we are and that whether I have more or less pigment matters more than almost anything else. And we're divided by the way we look. It's like, Starbelly sneeches and we're going Dr. Seuss level stuff. It's so remedial. That's why I talk about, you know, spiritual immaturity and spiritual maturity, because the people that are engaging in this hatred based on physical attributes, is just like so low in the, in, in what we call consciousness in terms of you've forgotten who you really are as a divine mm -hmm. spark of God, you are, you know, beyond color or any other differentiation that we might make in terms of physical properties. And yet so much, whether it be also religious beliefs, ideologies, mm -hmm. people are divided by that. All of these things, it's like, wow, how easy are we manipulated to look at each other as the enemy, as opposed to, hey, we are all of the same creation. We may have different experiences and beliefs about it, but that's awesome. That's how it was designed to be, as opposed to being afraid or angry or hate hating another because of those differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And I think ultimately that's what we all wish we were in. And it's just the layers upon layers, the programming, like you're saying, from all of these places that stop us from getting there. And, you know, I look at the world over the last three years, my background um, is in clinical mental health counseling. I'm actually a classically trained psychotherapist. And my specialty was meditation, spirituality, and trauma. 
Mm. Um, so I was very interested in that area. I'm also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, which is mm. really pertinent in today's world, right? Um, like, wow, so much of what is happening, it's just like an abscess for humanity. You know, it's truly the apocalypse, which I think ultimately is, is a gift. But was it, when I look at the last three years, I think that there is, we are at a crisis. And from a psychotherapeutic lens, you're taught to see crisis as a good thing. This ultimately is a positive story. It, you know, it can be, they say in, uh, you know, in the Greek literature, everything in life is either a tragedy or a comedy. I think this can be a comedy. I think if we uh, empower ourselves and understand that it's we're one choice away, like you said, you chose to change your life. You went according to, you made conscious decisions to pull yourself out of that. Um, we're, we're one decision away from being able to do this, to pull ourselves out of this mental and emotional trauma bonding that we have with our abusers. Like, you know, if you're still believing this stuff three years later, it's like, wow, you're totally trauma bonded with the wrong people. Um, so, but the, but the good news with this is you're truly just one decision away. It's one introspection away that's the message ultimately of, of hope is I think we're so much more powerful. That's what I've learned in my journey. I'm so much more powerful than I think I am, especially when I'm connected to other people, mm -hmm. especially when I'm connected to my own heart and I'm able to connect to other people and to be in communion with others and with myself and others. It's if we all were to stand up and do that, which it is possible, this would be game over for every person <laughs> yeah. who wants to play in the shadow. So ultimately, all of this in my work, though incredibly painful, mm -hmm. I think is an opportunity for us to realize we're strong enough to handle this. We can well, look at the shadow and make it, you know, and, and mm -hmm. find our way out. Well, yeah. Why are we attacked for doing or saying things like this, for instance? You know, some will say, well, you're, you're not realistic. You are, you are, you don't care about people. You only care about your own. It's like, it's quite the opposite I find, because, you know, how do you uplift people by getting down in the dirt with them and commiserating saying, oh, how horrible it is or showing them a way, a path to their identity, their true identity. And I think the biggest threat to the existing power structure that often people over identify with, like it's all powerful. And part of last hour was trying to help us see that it isn't. If we make different choices, <laughs> if we direct our energies differently or elsewhere, uh, that we can break free the moment we realize it. Now, there are a lot of habits and patterns that are mm -hmm. ingrained in us so deeply that we think we've achieved it the moment we have this epiphany and then we fall right back into those habits. Right. So I'm sensing that some of your intuitive coaching is helping people break those habits and patterns once they've woken up enough to go, hey, yep. you might be able to help me. Absolutely. Um, like you, I'm sure that you're, you and your listeners are aware of this, that everything that deals in truth and light is infinitely more powerful than shadow. I think the thing that people are fundamentally afraid of, why do we go, you know, you know, that old saying, let go or be dragged. Like, why don't mm -hmm. we just let go? <laughs> I don't understand why we have to be dragged, but you know, I, I think it's because we intuitively understand that waking up. I love what you said about personal responsibility before the, you know, before the break to take personal responsibility is to tell ourselves the truth. It's to look at the truth. And when we do that, 
we have to face hard things about ourselves, much of our cherished beliefs about ourselves and others, particularly, I think, core relationships in life. Um, I believe actually a lot of this stuff comes down to just core relationships that you had with, that people have with family of origin and then close loved ones in their adult life. We have a tendency to think it's this big, oh, trauma. Actually, you know what? It's probably your mom and dad maybe some relationships with your siblings if you had them, and then the family you've created. Like, there's not that many people you need to work through. And I know this from my, my psychotherapy practice. It's actually not that complicated. But it does require us to step into sober truth about what we have done to contribute to the reality that we have created. And we do create our own reality from the perspective of, what we choose to our choices and what we choose to focus on and how we use that creative energy. And I think intuition, what it does is it helps you get into relationship with the truth about self others in the world from a place of compassion, from a place that ascended sort of higher self perspective. It, it helps you zoom out and look at things from a lens of, you know what, this is bad, but it's not that bad. It's in, there's an and. You can see that there's a comma and the story goes on and there's another chapter. So I think people really fight this because mm -hmm. they don't believe, you know, your, your first, the first half of the show was on empowerment because they don't believe they're power enough. They're powerful enough to handle it. Yeah. They don't well, think that they're going to be able to survive it because they're those, so ego identified. Yeah, exactly. And those in power really don't have, they're not connected to actually true power source. It's an artificial sure. power. They, they believe that their power depends upon having power over you or draining you of your power by convincing you, you are powerless. Now it's interesting in terms of um, abuse patterns over yeah. generations. You, you had mentioned you, you had been abused as well. And this is front and center for a lot of people with the sound of, of freedom movie and other things that are happening. And one of the discussions I had with one of the people involved with the film was they said, well, we can diminish the supply all we want, save these children, which is great, but there's demand. So more children are taken for the demand. The question is, why is there so much demand? And then one of the statements you've heard before is hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Well, why is it that not everybody who's abused as a child ends up an abuser as adults, right? What is it different about them versus those that end up with that hurt and pain that they end up doing the same to others? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why would they do that having been through that? And maybe you have some insight into that. Yeah, my brain, my mind goes into two places. The psychotherapist in me would say um, that there's a confluence. Like if you look at this therapeutically, you would look at three factors, biopsychosocial, social. So what's going on biologically, what is going on psychologically, and then what in their social world is impacting this? So I think that that you could look at a person and say, okay, Let's try, and I think on the kind of the 3D level, that's very helpful to do. But my my intuitive self, my soul, you know, the spiritual part of me, I think that this is very much a level of consciousness thing, and it comes down to a spiritual test. It comes down to the choice you're going to make in that moment. And we've all known people that have experienced horrific things who did the exact opposite of their pain, right? They were abused, they were harmed, they were hurt, and they made it their life's mission to never do that and make sure other people don't have that happen too. So I, I think ultimately it comes down to a spiritual test of sorts of, of your metal um, and, and who you're choosing and deciding to become. I don't know if you've read the book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. 
Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Like no one can take from you your own choices as to who you decide to be. So, you know, I don't buy, I know hurt people do hurt people, but I also know a lot of hurt people who become warriors right. and advocates and, and power and healers. And actually yeah. the best healers are people who have been terribly harmed themselves. So, um, I think I'll, I think I have compassion but I weigh that with a strong dose of justice, man. Mm-hmm. The you know the people who have done this stuff need to be brought into account, and we can have no compassion and no uh, no moving on from this without that. The world, mm-hmm. you know, justice is a spiritual principle, and we need mercy. But we can have no mercy without justice. So um, there is a reckoning coming. I know that for sure, as, wow. as do yeah. so many people. So ultimately, I think they make a decision, and it's very sad. Um, yeah. It's very but, powerful what you're saying, though, too, and, and accurate, I believe. I, I just you know, wonder if you encountered people that because I, I think about what you're doing in terms of intuition, health mm-hmm. coaching, or coaching into back to intuition. There are so many people that are so injured severely that they they can hardly recognize the word intuition, that there's something else yeah. that can communicate through all that hurt, yeah. that pain, that suffering. Uh, and, and getting there, again, I know not everybody's there. At the same time, you know, what can you do to meet or respond to their needs, those needs, so that they, they don't repeat the cycle? Again, this is a big part of the, the yeah. pattern of something that's become, uh, again, a focal point for a lot of people because of things that are happening that's never happened before in terms of media. Uh, and you know, mm-hmm. I would love to see fewer and fewer. It'd be nice that no one was ever abused that way. I don't know that this planet will, will be designed ever for that, but it doesn't mean we can't attempt to reduce that sure. issue, you know? Well, I mean, I, I think that's that's where I see, ultimately, I think it's about every person, every human on this planet asking themselves, what is my purpose in this world? I think that we were, are each of us are born to contribute to the solution to this. I know for me, Mine was to become an educator and to teach people about this inner power that they have. I think of intuition. First of all, intuition isn't what people think it is. <laughs> people think it's this gut feeling or this kind of loosey-goosey, like emotional thing. It actually isn't at all. <laughs> it's an inner technology. It is an inner information gathering analysis and decoding uh, a language or machine within you. Like it's an inner technology that does this. So it's a non-logical data gathering system. It works at an energetic level. We know exactly how it works. It works within known. I can actually explain the science behind it, exactly how it works. Like when people used to look at you and go, you have a sixth sense. And we meant that as a metaphor. We now know you actually do have one. It's a neurological pathway between your heart and your brain. So we all have this ability. And I think that this, the first step is to help people see that they have a power within them that has been totally offline for our for our species mm. for a long time and that if we just pause and ex- and and say to ourselves there's more to me it's like transformers right more than meets the eye like there's more than meets the eye to me and i'm going to choose to go on a healing journey i think ultimately and so what i'm doing in my business is teaching people in my practice teaching, I'm trying to equip an army of individuals who have the skill to hold space for people in session to get the help they need, to get in touch with this part of themselves, figure out who they are, what they want, deprogram. And I think this is the most important piece. We have got to end this whole guru worship thing. 
in the coaching industry, in the spiritual, I don't give, you know, all of these mega church people, I, it, look, it's great. You're bringing people back to spirituality and that's wonderful, but we're jumping out of the frying pan and, and at best into another frying pan mm-hmm. when we make someone else our, you know, the great and holy Oz, right? <laughs> so I see intuition as your teacher and actually the word intuition, when you break it down from its um, Latin root, mm-hmm. it means what the word, like, if I say I am an intuitive person to say that you are an intuitive, actually what that root word, the word means is to say that I am a person who contemplates on the teachings from my inner watcher or guard. Mm. So that's what it, it's a, to contemplate, to teach, a, to guard over. This is what the word means. So to be an intuitive is just to say, I am in touch with the God spark inside mm. of my own system, my own inner wisdom that is direct line to source. I don't need anybody. It's a closed loop. And mm. there's five steps. I teach a five-step process. It's called true intuition, the true intuition method. And we walk through a five-step process that helps, I kind of see it like just hit a button. <laughs> like, let's turn it on. Let's reboot. Let's reboot, you know, to try to get your system to turn back on. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a way to think about it, right? We're so tech, uh, you know, our brains kind of work through tech analogies now. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's about, for me, it's about my purpose is to create an army of healers that can hold space for people to be able to begin this inner work. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, everybody needs to be walking in their in their purpose. That's really what's going to do it. We're talking with Heather Alashe, and she has a website, Heather Alashe, S-H-E-A.com, uh, at Mana Academy or at Mana Academy? At Mana Academy. At Mana Academy. Atman means soul, if, if I remember correctly. It does. That's and why I named it. Yeah, yeah the Atman. Uh, it's a fascinating journey that she has been on, and I'm loving that she's here with me today and y'all, y'all, to, to talk about this. And, you know, I these these this dichotomy of people that are, personality worshiped, right? Guru kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we come into the other that you discussed in terms of, I don't need that. But the risk, of course, and I'm certain you're aware of this, is that you go to the other extreme, it would be the the worship of the self, right? Yeah. And I don't get that. I don't sense that's what you're saying, but Mm -mm. I hear that people will hear that. Oh, and, yeah. and maybe you can address that issue in terms of the the opposite polar extremes of those two uh, descriptions. Sure, sure. So, um, so yeah, that's a brilliant catch, actually. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. So they're all false gurus. <laughs> Your ego <laughs> is a false god. You know, it's it's totally the false self. It's and if you look at it from a psychological perspective, the ego which we could just say is your personality, actually. That's a great way to think about ego. And by the way, the ego isn't bad. You you need to have a healthy ego to survive in this world. And if you look at things like multiple personality disorder, um, that is actually a fracturing, a fracturing of the ego. So we want a healthy ego, but the ego is just there to help. It's like a tool, just like any other tool. It's there to help you learn about life and it's there to help you make decisions. So what we see, I think, kind of the shadow side of the spiritual community, maybe, or of the, the self-help world, this, the personal growth world, mm-hmm. is this, um, you know, narcissistic navel gazing, Yeah, yeah. where we think that we're focusing on, you know, maybe the spiritual part of us, that soul, that transcendent part. But what we're really doing is obsessing about our ego. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, here's one thing to be looking at to know, dang, am I, am I over here navel gazing over my (laughs) ego or am I truly on my spiritual, you know, truly trying to get down to the truth of who source made me to be in this, you know, that the elevated, the higher self version of, of me, when you're, when you're trapped in ego, 
you're, it's very, very self-centered and it looks like you're constantly trying to figure out yourself in the context of what other people did and what other people said. And you're very much trapped in the story. Oh, well, this person hurt me because they just couldn't handle what, you know, and it's just this like, you know, like ego thing. And then she said that because she just, uh, it's very drama, super, mm -hmm. super drama. And you'll know that you're in it because it sounds like a drama. And also you're constantly pulling other people in mm -hmm. to reference your ego to either make your ego the victim or the hero. When you're doing true spiritual work, that just doesn't happen. It's you asking, yeah. you know, being with you, taking responsibility, looking at the truth, you know, crying at 6 a.m. in your car, whatever it is you're doing, but it doesn't involve that. It doesn't yeah. involve getting lost in this narrative. That's one quick way to kind of tell the difference. This is, this is one of the, you know, this, this show started as a radio show. Obviously it's now video too, but most people listen as a podcast, but if you're listening to, I, I would encourage you to watch this particular show because oh, I'm watching you, Heather, in, 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 in how you're emoting that and in, in your body language and that I can tell you you really know this. You've been through it. You've seen it. You've witnessed it maybe from within, much less observing others and helping them to see it if they're ready to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, that's, a, again, a big part of the, the the journey is learning all of these traps and how to identify if I'm on track or if, as Super Don says, I'm being a diva. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, where am I right now? And this is why <laughs> having good people surround you that love and care about you and, and this is an interesting question I have for you about your journey coming from, you know, one of the orthodox religions in, in terms of your history and your transformation in your own way. Uh, how has it been received? Have you been able to make peace with those that say, oh, you've left the fold. Now we cannot, you know, encounter and interact with you anymore. Or has has there been love enough to overcome some of those things that can naturally occur when somebody born into something says, you know what, this doesn't suit me anymore? Yeah. That's such a brilliant question and something to reflect on. And I think so many of us feel this in a million different ways in our lives when we choose to step into greater truth. Um, I know the, our students and our coaches that come through are not mana. This is one of their biggest hangups um, in activating their abilities and really returning home. So for me, I, I grew up in the South. I'm from Florida. My both of on my mother and my father's side, my family settled Florida. They both came here in the Whoa. early 1800s. Yeah, Don't like I can be like, those. yeah, isn't that wild? What part of um, Florida? Northern Florida. Okay, like, so you were real southern. Then. Yeah, super southern. Like mm -hmm. I, yeah, when I get angry, woo, it comes out like all the southern euphemisms. But so I, I grew up in a very conservative, you know, the Mormon religion, conservative home. My mother is a devout Mormon. So is my big brother, um, you know, both two of my brothers served missions and I grew up on, you get married in the Mormon church or you're not going to heaven. Like you're just not going to spend eternity with your family. And that really damaged me as a child. And I think it contributed to my medical, my medical issues. You know, earlier you were saying emotions become, you know, your emotional state can affect your physical body. And I am 100% convinced that that's why I was sick and almost died in 2012 my body was just breaking down under the the weight of it. But so with all of this said, I did have hiccups. It was very hard for, you know, me and some of my family members to come to terms with this. And I finally hit the wall and just had a big blow up with, um, you know, particularly my big brother who I love. We're so close now. I mean, you see us, we're like little four-year-olds when we hang out, Bobby, sissy, Bobby, sissy. I mean, nice. we're just so, so close, but, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I had to, throw my sword down into the ground and say, 
this is me. I will not change. And if you want a relationship with me, you're going to respect it. You're, you're going to treat me with respect. And if mm. not, I won't have a relationship with you. And that was me having to choose me. I, you know, I cannot, if I'm in a relationship with anybody who demands that I sacrifice my essential true self, not my ego self, okay? Yeah, yeah. My true self, my calling in this world, without a doubt, you know, I know that this is my purpose, then I'm just... I'm okay with letting that person go. So distance was put in the relationship and now we're fine. This was, you know, back in 2012 and it took I, us I a wanted, little bit. I, I was, I was hoping to hear that, but I know yeah. it's not always that way because some people will choose to shun you. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that part of that is what um, you described not happening, you know, putting that sword in the ground, say, this is who I am now. Uh, you'll either respect me or we can't have, you know, a respectful relationship. And and you engage in a way that is respectful and loving, but recognize that you don't have to stay with somebody who would rather abuse you because right. of what you've done to change what their perception of who you should be, as opposed to honoring who you have decided to be in, you know, in creation. I think that once you honor you, other people have an opportunity to do as well. Mm. And when you sit with your loved ones and you're like, please accept me, please accept me. Well, you're not accepting you. You're not even modeling what it is to accept you. Once mm -hmm. I figured that out and I stopped asking my family to approve of me, they were able to actually see the new me. Mm -hmm. I was able to just still love them, still wow. give them Christmas presents. So when I accepted me, they accepted me. Yeah, you just have to have wait to that time. First? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, very powerful lesson. I don't know if it's counterintuitive or intuitive. So intuitive is the word of the day here. <laughs> it's counterintuitive to your ego. It's yeah, totally to your intuitive ego, to your higher self. <laughs> until you accept yourself, it's going to be very difficult. It's the rare soul in this human body that can mm -hmm. accept you before you accept yourself, who sees you for who you really are. That's rare. And I've seen that. I've had experiences, interactions like that, where people do not feel worthy, but you see that worth in them. And there are people that inspire people to find that. And I don't know, maybe that's part of what this intuitive that is it. coaching is. Yeah. It's seeing beyond the facade and looking at the essence of a person. Mm -hmm. It's beyond the, the mere appearance. It's beyond the masks we wear. And when you're an intuitive, you walk in the world being able to see essence, not appearance. And you can't be lied to. You know, if someone asked me once, Heather, what do you think the greatest problem in the world is? And, you know, barring the fact that we all just don't remember who we are and we're all not walking in love, okay, which if that was a fact, if that was the case, we wouldn't be here. So taking that one out of the picture, I think the greatest challenge we face in this world is deception. And Dr. David R. Hawkins said this. He said, uh, the greatest problem before humanity that enables evil, right? That allows this stuff to happen is that your every human being doesn't have a, a, a way to decipher truth mm. from falsehood. Imagine what would happen if every person on this earth could not be lied to. That's what intuition does for you. Mm. I see intuition as a way to make it to where you you remain sovereign you remain free because you are you have an inner technology that allows you to detect truth mm -hmm. well yeah. it takes practice y'all it's mm -hmm. it, you may have an epiphany but then you got then the work begins yes uh you yeah. know i think the thing is when you find the spiritual path that's right for you uh the challenge is just start <laughs> you're like wait no i found god it's all good was it no you're asked to do a lot as i said <laughs> step into that responsibility that is coin you know other side of coin of freedom it comes together mm -hmm. uh, and uh, i so appreciate you know this this concept of freedom it drives me 
and, and very, mm-hmm. you know, you can see this shirt, 1776 Forever Free. Uh, it's a message that, you know, I think resonates with a lot of people here in America that have a, some connection to the, the reason, the real reason why the United States of America, grand experiment in freedom had never been tried before in recorded history. And I'm not saying that we've achieved uh, all of our goals, much less lived up to the high ideals of those that warned us if we ever got lazy on it. Human beings in government have a tendency to what? Em- embrace the power, mm. not from God, but from, you know, a-, a lower form, if you will, to enslave you to a system, if you will, that is not uplifting ultimately. And, you know, we're, we're challenged, I think, in terms of a, a consciousness and in, in various countries of the world have a different state of consciousness. And uh, there's mm-hmm. something that fits for everybody. And that's why I think it's also when we have gone around the world, for those that have said we are going around the world to save you and make you a democracy, despite our form of government not being a democracy. This is also an ego trip. This is not honoring of freedom, you know, inspiring others to freedom rather than beating them into submission and saying you should be free. Again, Mm -hmm. there's immaturity as well within our own country in terms of what are these high ideals and the deception about what they are or what they're not. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately, I think ultimately people are afraid of freedom it's a wonder freedom is a wonderful thing, isn't it? But like you're saying, the work begins then. It begins with the freedom. It begins with the epiphany. And I and mm-hmm. that to me, what because we could ask the question, why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't people want to be free? Why are people giving their power away? Why are we so prone to guru worship or to put celebrities on it? Why? Why are we mm-hmm. doing this? And to me, I, I've noticed in my uh, my clinical practice and also in my my coaching practice. Um, I, I lovingly call it power projection. We all know what projection is when we're, when we are thinking or feeling or believing whether consciously or unconsciously a state within ourselves that we don't like. So we accuse another person, we throw it on to another person, right? I don't hate my mother. You hate my mother. Um, you know, we put it over there. And what I think we're doing with respect to our freedom is we're, we are projecting our own power onto these quote unquote elites. We're giving them our power because we're scared of it. We're scared of our own freedom because the minute we have freedom, guess what? There comes a big old bag of responsibility right there with it. You've got nobody Mm -hmm. to blame now. It's all your decision. You're either going to fail. You're you're either going to do the thing. So I think that ultimately is what people are afraid of. They're afraid of standing in their own sovereign uh, life and being mm. responsible. For, there's nobody to blame now. You can't blame it on Fauci. You can't blame it on dad. You can't blame it on mom. You're standing on your own two feet. It's you and God. Let's go. Let's go. Mm. Link arms with people that you love and that love you. You've got support, but this is your life and you've got to live it. So that's what I think people are afraid of their freedom. I, I really do. And it's so sad to see it in America because like you, I believe in this country. I believe in the founding the founding principles of this country, um, you know, it, it it is such a grand experiment, isn't it? And it will be sad if this if this country falls. It will be such a tragedy. And truly, the light in the world will go out. It, I really believe that if it goes. So, well, that's why I think um, it's a worthy. Uh, let's say to make the stand. You talk about the sword declaration. This is who I am, and to come together if we embrace freedom and not fear it. There's so much that we have in common. And if you find out you talk with people outside of the political interference that comes from the power players and power mm-hmm. brokers that deceive us, again, deception, you, I tend to find every time we have way more in common than we have yeah. that divides us. 
And, but it takes getting out of the cacophony, the noise that keeps us distracted and afraid of one another to come together and, hey, just share our story. Tell me about your story. Why do you believe what you believe? I want to know. And it's an mm-hmm. amazing journey. This life becomes an adventure every day, one that rather than filled with fear, you're, you're filled with anticipation and excitement. What am mm-hmm. I going to learn today? What new adventure am I going to hear about? It's like, whoa, it's going to blow me away. And, and that's the kind of, again, a different perspective than if we are just uh, feeding off of the trough of what we call the mainstream or legacy media, what it wants us to do, divide us through Hegelian dialectic techniques, et cetera, and or the, the, the noise in social media, which can be used for great good as well as destructive purposes. You mm-hmm. know, the fact that we can reach the audience we can. I could I could only reach a limited audience on radio over the years I was yeah. doing the show. We got banned and online and suddenly we got more than ever. People are like, whoa, he's banned? What is he saying? I, I want to hear it. So every time they try to censor us, it tends to bring more people to want to hear what it is that they don't want us to hear. That's an interesting thing that's going on as well. Yeah. I love that you just said that. I was actually, synchronicity, I was actually thinking about that earlier today that I don't know if you're noticing this, but I certainly am that the the thing that they're trying to hold down, it's it's like holding a beach ball under water in a pool. Mm-hmm. I used to do, we had an above ground yes. pool, such rednecks, but you know, <laughs> we used to try to like sit on the pool or yes. sit on the, sit on the beach ball. There's mm-hmm. no way you're going to keep it under. Um, and I noticed that it's like, whatever it is they're trying to hold back, that's the thing that becomes, you know, mm-hmm. sent through the, the megaphone. Yeah. So um, there, there really is, it's, it's such a wild time. And I think, I think, especially even for our age group, people who are sort of Gen Xers, you know, and older, because we can remember a world without all this technology. Yeah. And now, like you're saying, radio was the only way to get it out. Now, you know, ignorance is a choice. And this is where my Southern kind of, you know, no excuses roots come in. Like, you've got no excuse, man. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. You got 24 hours in the day, just like everybody else get your butt in gear and get, do the work, dude. It's, and it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's hard. Yeah, I know. It's hard for all of us. Okay. I'm tired too. So (laughs) the faster we all get started doing it, the better off we're going to be, but there really is no excuse. It's out there yet. If, and it's just a matter of having the courage to see it and then ask yourself, how do I want to be a part of the solution? It really is that simple. Well, bless your heart. No, I, you know, that's, (laughs) You know what happens when they're saying that, what they mean. That's, that's the, that's the Southern uh, F you bless your heart. Right. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I love it. You know, I'm an adopted Southerner or let's say a reborn Southerner because I was a New Yorker when I was a kid, moved to Florida, South Florida, then where the New Yorkers went and then went to Georgia for 30 years. And I, I feel Southern in my heart. Oh, you're totally Southern. Yeah. uh, That's what I've adopted. So I appreciate (laughs) you and so much what you're bringing. And it was such an exciting time to connect with you. Do you have any uh, events out? Because we've got the Red Pill Expo coming up in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, We've got, oh gosh, events in Phoenix. We've got events in Houston. got events in uh, Chicago, the the, the great uh, Health Freedom Expo. Uh, Man, there's so much going on. We have the upcoming events tab. If you ever make it to these events or if you have your own, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of my events are still online. My, okay. you know, everybody, I try to be as uh, open and available to everybody because what I do is so niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's not every day you meet somebody that t- trains people to be intuitive life coaches. Um, so coming up, I have our next class for true intuition uh, facilitators and teachers, and they can just pop on the website and take a look at that. Um, just to do, learn do more I click about, the tab become a coach? Is that where it would be? Click teach intuition. Teach intuition. Let me just see where the tab is for that. I'm going to go backwards. I want to make sure if I can't find it and maybe others can. Oh, I see. It's the first tab. Up yeah. at the top of the 
page at uh, heatheralishay.com. It says teach intuition. Clicked on that. There you go. And uh, this certified on-demand access course, teacher program, uh, seven hours away. Oh, my gosh. As we're live today, mm -hmm. it's coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, it's an on-demand uh, webinar. Okay. Well, super. I, I would love to hear from anybody that takes part in that. I'd love to connect with you again. And you're, you're welcome here anytime. Thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and what you're bringing. And uh, just like I said, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how many people we don't know that are awesome that you're like, Oh my gosh, how have I gone through life? Now? I didn't know you. And and you start recognizing each other. And it's like, again, mm -hmm. we're strengthened by this process that beach ball's coming up from underwater and everybody's yeah. going to see it. Yeah. I, I, we're hitting critical mass and it's just becoming a rebel yell. And I think you've got a really loud, powerful voice. So thank you. Thanks for having well, me on. Well, thanks for being on board. And uh, if Kevin Tuttle connected us another, uh, he did. Grand slam home run. I'll <laughs> say that about this. And shout out to Kevin, who's now in Israel, who's taking his family to Israel. That's and cool. uh, I'm, I can't wait to hear the journey, the stories. I know they're probably still exhausted from it all, but I can't wait to hear what's going on over there. So, Kev, mm -hmm. you're you're up next soon when you're ready, and we'll get to that. So, Heather, thanks again for being on board. Thank you. All right. We'll, we'll hopefully talk again soon and have her on again. We still have some questions of the day. I think we're going to have to do them in the, in the bonus round or if super Don, if you say we do them tomorrow, whatever, it's up to you. Uh, also, we got announcements to make thanks to give, including to our friends uh, at Folium PX, Bobbery, who's got my mom dancing again at 89, that Folium PX Chernobyl level antioxidant is extraordinary. And I'd urge you to try it and uh, let me know how you're doing on it. Cause it's amazing. Uh, the Folium original, the Folium immuno, the Folium relax and go to foliumpx.com. Use the code RSP 10 to get 10% off. And uh, all right, super D let me know. Are you taking your chug a lugging over there? Do we do the uh, bonus round questions of the day? What are you, what are you sensing here? This has been great. Swallow. Go ahead. No, I'm good. All um, right. I had to get my, my, drink of cardio miracle in there awesome speaking of which mm -hmm. uh but in, in we'll, we'll talk about this in the break the uh the video of you mm -hmm. on the jim baker show is available now that's true and you know it's yes. interesting because of what heather had talked about in terms of gurus versus whatever mm. i want to tell you a little bit more about my impression of jim baker in, in that okay. if you don't mind so we're going to sure. do that as well thank you for being here on the robert scott bell show thank you to uh well uh, it was a, uh, just a crazy show. I was here and not here at the same time. Derek bros was here and we got a wonderful new guest and all y'all that are here. Thank you. Please share the show. If you miss anything, it's a really inspiring, uplifting show. Open you up to a lot of good things today. Not like usual, of course, but uh, I know most of the time it sucks. Right. For now, we'll take it. It's a good one. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for being here. God bless you. You want to stick around 60 seconds from now? We're back for the bonus round on the Robert Scott Bell show, where I remind you that the power to heal is yours. Dude. All right, here we are. But that video you just played was glitchy. Was it in your computer or was it up on? Uh, it was glitchy. It, it kind of paused. At least for me, it stopped. Like it would, the audio would, and it would freeze, and then it would come back. Oh, you know, I it's how many times do I have to say it at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, restream. Unfortunately, I don't know. It's but, what what yeah. I've noticed that is in the 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 broadcast. I think mm -hmm. it freezes for us. But it okay. continues to actually play broadcast. outside of that. Okay. Fortunately, it's it's uh, it's something that I cut out on the podcast anyway. So it's at least the podcast people you don't know okay. even know what we're talking about. But, All right. Uh, yeah, no I don't know. We we got to make the switch, dude. 
We got right. to make the switch to the How other busy button. are we that I can't make the switch? It's I like, know. We've been talking about this for like a month now. Gosh, every time. <laughs> we have good intentions. We really mean to. We'll do it tomorrow. No. Yeah. Actually, we oh. won't. So. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Anyway. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Jim Baker. You were on the Jim Baker show. Now, yeah. I have not been able to figure out a way to be able to download this yet. Okay. Uh, you know me. I, I will try and find a way. But Yeah. So you can't That's hear this. That's where we were. But yeah, we we so the Southern Ozarks or something. It's a beautiful place. Um, there we are. It's a, an amazing set that they have. It's full on, top of the line kind of TV production value. As you can see that. Um, there There's I am. you. And they always insist on calling me doctor. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm a homeopath, but I don't like the word doctor because of what it connotates or connotes. Yeah. Or what do they say about third right. cause of death? But whatever. I mean, I take it in the spirit with which teacher healer. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so we had a great discussion on uh, cardio miracle, but you know, nitric oxide, different things. And I think it's going to help. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Heck yeah. It helps yep. you super Don. It helps your family. It helps my family. It definitely helps my does. mom too. So yeah, definitely that's awesome. So, so check that out. So the link now it doesn't have a direct, it, it just has a link to the watch page on Jim Baker show. It so it's going to change. Yeah, well, you know, you can also go to the the main website. It's just Jim Baker Show, Baker's B A K K E R dot com, right? And you can look at recent episodes, and it'll come up on the list there, and it'll show John, uh, Mister oh, Cardio Miracle Hewlett. Man. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so what was you going to say about about the Jim Baker Show experience? Right. Well, think about the you know we grew up in the era of televangelism. You know, there were a lot of, and they were easy to make fun of. I remember Robin Williams would do great things about it. Some of those televangelists, it, it, it was, there was one that I, 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 that was really entertaining. And it, I want to say his name was Robert, was it Tipton or something? The dude, I, I, I'll see if I can find a video so I, I can show yeah. you what I'm talking about. But yeah, some of them were just way over the top. I mean, it, it was the, the, the performance side of it, it was so obviously mm -hmm. ridiculous Yeah, um, that, you know, the comedy just wrote itself right. on a lot of those shows. And then, you know, then you had the genuine ones, I think, that were just out there doing their ministries and stuff like that. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. televangelism, uh, you know, it's, it's carries a lot of baggage, the, well, the term and, and does. It, but it's, it's showmanship, right? Carnival barking often. Now, I'm not saying that every televangelist is, is insincere and they're all about money, but, I mean, that was a big part of it. As you know, even Jim Baker acknowledged how he got caught up in the, I, I don't know, uh, he thinks every Christian should be rich and, and all that. So he, he justified all of the, the opulence and the wealth and things that he was doing. Now, he fell from grace, so to speak, with all that happened there. And I think he got humbled. I mean, he even went to prison. And the man I met with his wife were very kind and humble. And the people he surrounded him with, he was surrounded with a number of people, children, he, kids he had adopted that are now grown up and adults and helping him with the ministry and doing amazing things, including Mondo, which we'll get on the show. Great guy. And he's been the, I mean, you want to talk about a gangbanger and what he's been through in his life. These are people who have lived and really lived and learned hard lessons. And so what I met was a really kind man, a loving man that I perceived was not in it to spotlight himself, you know, if he was ever led by ego. I didn't sense it in this in this meeting and uh, on this show that he's doing through his ministries now. And there was a lot of uh, acceptance and not judgment that I perceived from the people because th the people that he's surrounded with now have been down in the, the gutter. 
been down in the dumps. And when you've been down there, it's a lot harder for you to be judgy about other people that ha have made poor choices or are suffering. And so I, I sensed a genuine shift in my experience there that they were open, they were welcoming, they were accepting. Again, I'm not talking about accepting evil. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, people have different perspectives on God and, and the Bible, and they were just just the kindest and accept. It's different than what you would expect from some of these evangelical uh, type of uh, Christian networks or whatever. So I'm just saying my experience was very positive. The atmosphere was great. The people were nice. And I don't know. I, I didn't know. I sort of thought it might be like that because of what Jim Baker had been through. And we hadn't thought about Jim Baker in years, only knew about the scandals and everything. It's, I've seen the movie about him and Tammy Faye and what he went through and all. But I think he was humbled by the experience and was very sincere. All right. So that's what that, that's what I wanted to share with you about. There was Ernest Angley, or is that who is that Chris is putting in there? Who's that guy in the in our private our personal chat room, not private chat room, our Robert Scott Bell show chat room? Oh, I'm not on that pitch. Oh. Televangelist song Who Baba Kanda. I don't know who that oh, was. Oh, Robert Tilton. Tilton. Robert Tilton was his name. And uh, he he would he would go he'd have these expressions. He was very like animate and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and the way I found out about this guy was this is years ago. Uh, somebody put together a series of videos that was called The Farting Preacher. Hmm. And they managed to take these scenes of Robert Tilton doing his thing, and they inserted, inserted these fart sounds into, like, these perfect spots in, in what he was doing. Uh, I, it's it's very juvenile, but it's extremely funny. I mean, okay. like, like pee your pants funny as you're watching this thing. So. Gotcha. But, yeah, Robert Tilton was one of those. Uh, Peter Popoff was another one that a lot of people are very critical of. Mm -hmm. Where it was just like, send me money, send me money, send me money, send me money. Right, I right. need more money. You know, if you send me money, God will give you money. Yeah. Uh, you know, type thing. Uh, and it was just, yeah. Hmm. Say what you will. I mean, unfortunately, I think that it, you know the 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 people out there that are doing genuine work mm -hmm. are are uh, they have to deal with with that. Sure. What well, it is that these other guys the, have done? You know, not in the spotlight. They're not doing a television ministry, televangelism, and such. But look. Right. How do people, how are people reached? Some people are reached through these things and they're uplifted and they're inspired by it. And who am I, you know, to say, oh, that's, you well, know. Well, and it's one thing I think, you know, to, to, um, you know, to request support to keep things going. Mm -hmm. It's another thing that when they do these big exposés, Robert Tilton was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Where you know they track them down and they've got these like multi-million dollar mansions and they've got these private jets and they drive a right. Rolls Royce and they you know and all there's a lavish you know stuff like that. It's like you know how yeah. can you reconcile that? You can't. You know. Yeah, I would make a distinction there as well. I would. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, y'all check it out. Let me know what you think of the episode. Uh, it's linked. To, I don't know if you put it in the show notes, but I know we dropped it into the chat room. Is it, how are things on? Uh, Rumble today. Anybody at Rumble? Uh, it's been quiet in the chat room, which is normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where Marge is anymore. She's oh. she's bailed on us. Oh well. Um, uh, a non ten twenty eight was the only person in the chat room was commenting about uh, coming from a Mormon religion, which was mm -hmm. interesting. That listening to Heather, yeah, and you know her talking about her experience. So a non was kind of sharing uh, their experience growing up in a Mormon house. I, I grew up in a Mormon household. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's... Well, it, it really is a challenge when you have someone in your family and you're of a specific faith and 
somebody leaves that faith. Yeah. Now, the question is, do you condemn them and shun them? Or do you love them and support them for who they are? And that's why I asked the question of Heather, and I thought it was fascinating, her journey. She had to declare her space, this is who I am, and you know, we either are respectful of that or we can't have a relationship. Right. Not that I don't want one, but you have to respect where I am now. It's different. And yeah. I think if you believe in spiritual freedom, you're going to be challenged someday, sometime, where somebody's going to go, uh, I believe differently than you. And are you going to say, well, are you happy? And you say, yeah, I'm happy. Then you go, well, I'm happy for you then. Yep. And that's the way As it a, should be. Yeah, right. That is the way it should be. You know, yeah. um, it was not for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way my dad was. You know, he says, you know, as long as you're happy, that's all I care about. Uh, yeah. And that's, and, but that's not, not everybody's like that. No, you know? but that's the unconditional love I think God gives us. Right. And the question is, could we emulate that or are we petty in needing you to believe what I believe or else that somehow makes my beliefs less real to me, right? Are you confident enough? Are you comfortable enough? Are you uh, present enough in your belief that, that, that uplifts you? That you're like, you know what? If no one else believed what I believe, I'm still good. Or, no, it's only if I get everybody else to believe what I believe. This is where I get into the, the proselytizing, you know, from a, a perspective of you better believe or else, you know. We'll cut your head off, you know. Convert or die. Right, yes. that kind of thing. It's like, wow, it doesn't say much about your belief. But <laughs> anyway, uh, should we do some of the questions? We have a couple of questions of the day I don't want to miss out on. Annie, the homeopath from Quebec, is, I think she's in the chat room as well today. Um, oh, then we uh, have to do it. Okay. We have to at least answer yeah. Annie's question. All right. Can you put it up on screen? Yeah, let's do it. There it is. Uh, hi, Robert. I'm trying to help a patient to find a good clinic to treat a prostate prostate cancer stage two <clears throat> there used to be a nice list on the bollinger website but i can't find it anymore my patient is looking for a clinic in the usa cause of course there's nothing of that kind in our precious china <laughs> yes quebec why don't you guys uh leave canada can't you do that secede be a french country uh you certainly have some clinics that come to mind quickly uh whom i could contact for him and expose his case and ask for more info. He's already in good health. He's already taking many good supplements. I'm following him for many years in homeopathy too, but there are things we can't do here. Thanks for your help. My best regards to you and Super D, your fan from Quebec, Annie, the homeopath. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, this is me, Super Don, reacting, responding to someone like in, in that shape, uh, what they call stage two and doing a lot of good things. And well, what is it? Is, it's stage, two, stage four is the one that's like, the, the worst, right? Right, typically, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I look at these stages, and I'm saying, you're in good health. You know, Annie, you say he's in good health, and he's doing a lot of good things. I guess, what is it that he doesn't have access to that he wants to do? Because to combat something called prostate cancer is, is not really that difficult overall, but it's a slow-moving cancer. slow So slow, in fact, that they have found that people that do nothing end up dying of old age more than, quote-unquote, prostate cancer. Now, does that mean ignore it? No, not necessarily. But it does mean, uh, as I acknowledge, and, and Chris Barr before me, not a doc, had talked about, that primary issue in prostate cancer is selenium deficiency more than anything else. And I'm not saying it's the only thing, but good Lord, if he is not on, your patient is not on, selenium from a hundred percent whole food source. And I recommend still, I utilize innate response from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com or he also has the food research brand and 
Sherry Neal is saying they're getting good results with that, so I, I, I wouldn't dispute it. But I would do not, like for me, my goal every day, and I don't get there every day, is 450 micrograms because I'm doing 50 microgram tablets of the innate response three, three times a day. But typically, I'm honest with you, I only get it twice a day. So I'm typically getting 300 micrograms of 100% whole food selenium in me every day. Now, I'm not, to my knowledge, dealing with any cancer, prostate or otherwise. But if I was in a situation like your friend or your patient there, I would be doing four tablets, which is 200 micrograms, at least four times a day, maybe five times a day, getting to 800 to 1,000 micrograms. This is me, and I know there are still medical doctors out there that are freaking out when I say 800, 1,000 micrograms, 1,200 micrograms, which, you know, I've worked with cancer patients before, and we've never reached selenotoxicity in using 100% whole food form, yet a lot of doctors freak out if you take more than 200 micrograms a day because they are looking at the science that was done on the wrong form of, I'm sorry, in this case, selenium, many decades ago and not acknowledging the distinct difference between 100% whole food forms of these minerals and the synthetic or even amino acid chelate type things that they try to mimic nature but are not the same. So uh, I will I will say that. Now, all right, Annie, the, let's say he wants to see a clinic in the United States. There are clinics that can do some basic things in a situation like this. This is not seemingly a life or death crisis. You know, whether you go down to uh, the Gerson Clinic in San Diego or um, what's the one in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, outside of West Palm? Uh, that is, I'm drawing a blank and I shouldn't. If anybody out there know what I'm talking about, um, gosh, I've been there. I've lectured there. We've had people talk about going there. It is the, eh, it'll come back to me. Super Don, you're no. The harder you think, no, I'm not, I'm not going to know what you're talking about, but the, uh, Somebody will have it yeah, in the chat. The, hard, the harder you think about it, the further it, yeah. it runs away from you. So. Uh, let's see. What is the name of the... the, 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 the okay. Um, Chris, balance hormones with DIM for prostate and other hormonally implicated cancers. Another thing, uh, years ago, I, I interviewed uh, Dr. Isaac Elias. He used modified citrus pectin, MCP for prostate and breast cancer. So that's another option. And you as a homeopath, Annie, you can use, of course, uh, Sabal, which is homeopathic form of salt palmetto, which is commonly used. Um, pygeum is something from Africa, an African plant that has been used that way as well. But selenium to me is number one on the list, along with homeopathic remedies for detoxification, the terrain, right? Making sure his diet is clean, avoiding glyphosate, obviously, things like that. And he says, okay, that's a good start for selenium. Have to look with him if he's taking some. So yeah, that's why I said, as you do this, you will see uh, a tremendous improvement over time. If you're looking at the uh, prostate uh, test, which is not really a, a PSA, a prostate-specific antigen. It's not actually specific because women can test on a test too, and they don't have a prostate. Uh, but the idea is if you have a high score... Well, that, now, that, wait a minute. What? Diversity. What? Come on now. Women can they, have a prostate. Women don't right? have... Pro Sorry. Women don't have prostates. They typically don't MSNBC have MSNBC would apple. like to disagree with you. They typically don't have an Adam's apple either, Super Don. Is yours <laughs> hidden under a beard? Oh, I shaved. Oh, you did. So we can see it. See that I, I've got yeah. less. Um, uh, I don't know what would you say. Grizzly Adams going on. Yes, today? yes, right. Yes. And uh, Caitlyn Jenner does have an Adams apple because Caitlyn Jenner is not a woman. <sighs> Excuse me. I need to go have a Bud Light. <laughs> not me. I'm just saying he's a man who's had surgery <laughs> and is on hormone therapy. 
So, yes. But if I go to the spiritual, I would say soul has no gender. Soul, you know, is the combination of both the male and female. And as I've said, we all have male and female uh, uh, characteristics uh, or masculine and feminine, maybe more accurately. But please don't abuse children with these synthetic hormones or blockers and, and or butchering them with surgery. At least let them reach the age of majority where they can make a, a better informed decision. But as we've heard from like Scott Nugent, even as adults, uh, make a decision like that is is irreversible. There are a lot of people that are suffering in such pain because of those things that, you know, I think Caitlyn Jenner may be the exception to the rule. I don't know if she's had, has she had the surgery to remove everything? I don't know that. I, have not I don't want to know. That. I don't want to know either. It's, it's really. a, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 It's all good. So, Annie, the homeopath. Yeah, he's already having homeopath. I figured you got him on some good homeopathic remedies, Annie. I, I would just say uh, if they follow him with the PSA, if he increases his selenium level significantly, that PSA number will drop and it won't be an issue. He may not need to see or go anywhere, even to America. But please make sure he's on organic, clean, quality foods. That's right. All right. Yeah. Second question. Yeah. Well, we have a second question. That's right. We do. Questions of the day in the bonus round. Hello, RSB and Don. Please tell me what you would do for sudden swelling in facial area. I've had it twice, and it was termed angioedema, cause unknown. Half of my face and lips swelled grotesquely. Yikes. I ended up in the ER and was given an EpiPen or Epi, whatever, because I was panicked. Can I keep something with me if it should happen again? Please say it slowly if it's homeopathic. <laughs> Their spelling is killer. Thank you so much. I, I think that one of the remedies is easy to remember uh, in such circumstances, Super Don. Do you know what it might be? You're afraid of these little critters if they come outside and pollinate, but they're so helpful. And oh. If you, if, if, uh, do you take their venom and convert it into homeopathy? Homeopathic bee venom? Yes. What is that? Starts with an A. Um, it's only... Four letters. It's the easiest Latin name oh, ever. Well, usually a four-letter word that I use when I see a B. Uh, <laughs> no, not so that. It, well, if it had to start with an A, it would be ah. <laughs> I guess, but That's uh, not it. I no, I don't. I, I don't know what is Apis. It? Apis. Okay. Apis mellifica. Right. Apis. So uh, that would be one thing. Histaminum is another one. We talk about histamine. You can take a homeopathic form of histaminum if it's a histaminic reaction. Histamine reaction. Uh, that could be something that could reduce that response. I would say having enough copper, it might not be cupro metallicum indicated as a homeopathic, but copper, the hydrosol, like this bioactive copper hydrosol could help because that will address in inflammation and, and uh, cytokine storming like that can happen in that case. Uh, formic arufa, if it's an, related to ant sting, formic acid is another consideration there. And I guess the question, was it preceded by a punch to the face? Or not, you know. I, I don't think so. That, that would other, be a, that would be a critical uh, uh, detail there that was missed. Right, it was missing in there. I don't yeah. anticipate that that's the case, but I'm just saying, my face suddenly swelled up. No, what happened? I mean, yeah, all, all joking aside, that's a horrible yeah. thing to, to to experience. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So, and for them to say the cause unknown, I'm sorry, your face yeah. just swelled up. We have no idea why. Here's my shoulders getting better. Oh, Put look at that silver gel on it. Oh, look at that. You gonna pick the scabs like Peter. when you were a little no, kid? I don't. But no. the thing is, wearing the sleeve on it, it bothers it because it's kind of roughs against it, and it. I don't want it to, to come off before it's ready to come off, but I'm putting the silver gel on it and stuff, and it's going great. It's recovering right. fast. Yeah. 
But yes, uh, it could be an allergy to something. But again, what are you exposed to? What preceded it? If you can navigate and figure that out, environmental causes, food causes, et cetera, exposure to something. Oh, yeah. I but, mean, obviously it was something. Yeah. Your face doesn't go, you know, for no reason. So uh, that's the most frustrating thing and to deal with about, when you go to a doctor, right? Is they go, I don't know. Because you go to Angio a doctor edema. thinking they're going to tell you, right? Angioedema. I, I, you know, I think about the cardio miracle, vascular. You know, there's an impact there. Um, so that would be something to consider. Uh, the, I would trace your trace your steps as best mm-hmm. as you can. What were you doing at the time? What had you done recently? Mm-hmm. What did you possibly come into contact with? Um, and I'm, I'm trying to see. She's, Lori says, uh, had it twice. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, this is where we need Dr. House, right? Yeah. Um, to, to diagnose something like this. Sherlock Holmes, the, the homeopath. Annie, yeah. the homeopath, says for Lori Apis Malefica, which I mentioned, uh, at least a 15 or 30 CH, which uh, centesimal X, you could do 15X or 30X. Uh, I agree. No problem there. Have that at the ready next time, and hopefully it won't be a next time, but uh, that's an option uh, to do. Annie, thank you. Also, she says about that guy had a biopsy. I, I do not recommend biopsy of the prostate because if there is a, a cancer that's contained, now it could spread. The cells can spread and create other problems elsewhere because you violated the, the fundamental sanctity of the body, much less the body's ability to protect itself from metastasis and growth. But still, selenium is important. Remember, there are cancer protocols listed in the not a nurse and not a doc group that Sherry Neal is helping others to carry forward in the absence of Chris and Angie on Facebook. So if you uh, look for the Not a Nurse and Not a Doc group on Facebook, Annie, if you're not already a part of it, you you know you have to a- answer specific questions to be let it, admitted in if you haven't already done that. You can also learn of Chris's uh, uh, protocols uh, to reverse cancer nutritionally with 100% whole food nutrition. So that's another option for your friend there. Again, may not need to do much more if he does the few things we've mentioned already. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I am. I'm shooting a message over to Ty to see if he's going to be on tomorrow. Oh, good. And, and when can we get Kevin on? Is Kevin still awake? It's late in Israel now. Yeah. It's doing? like late night now, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm we'll excited because to... I saw after I showed up, he was uh, here. He said, hello, friends in the uh, chat room at robertscottbell.com. There's mom. Hi, mom. How you doing? And uh, let's see. Yeah, we should, just, we should get him on soon once he's, Chris once he's settled. Put a, put a funny picture up. I don't know if I can show you this. Let's see if this makes sense. Rumble Talk. If I give you a Rumble Talk link, can you open it? Let me drop it into Skype and look at this. Maybe you can show it. It's a funny uh, picture. It says, in the future, everyone will drink Bugs Light and be happy. <laughs> Does that open for you when you click on that link? Yeah, hold on. Oh, it is there. Warning, lack of bugs light residue in urine sample is bad for your social credit score rating. That's that's funny. Bugs, bugs light. light, huh? Yeah. yeah. This Maybe is, more uh... popular than Bud Light. This would be uh, something that What's-His-Face would promote. What's the name of the guy? Which guy? You know, the guy's telling everybody they have to eat bugs. Bill Gates? No, the other guy, the guy with the, uh, with the accent. Noel Harari? Schwab. Schwab. Oh, Klaus Anal Schwab. Klaus Schwab. That's Anal Stick Schwab. Those yes. Bugs where the sun shouldn't <laughs> shine. Right? Yeah. Oh, uh, have you eaten bugs before? 
Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Well, now wait a minute. There was a time, if you remember. Yeah. We uh we were uh, talking about. Remember the cricket powder? Oh, the cricket powder. I don't know that. I, I may have tried it once. Then. I tried it. I, actually, yeah. I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of kind of good. Yeah. yeah. That was some weird stuff. And everybody was looking at me weird, like, what? Yeah. No, no, thank yeah. you. Dude won't do a coffee yeah. on a It's a little bug. adventurous. Why not? Yeah. You know, try a little. Well, if you go to places like uh, Vietnam, I guess, or, you know, Southeast Asia, they'll eat all kinds of things that are not normal to us. You know, well, do you do that? Of course, they come over here and we show them a Twinkie and they're like, eh. Yeah, well, they should. You guys eat that stuff? Yeah, it's probably uh, maybe more dangerous than the bugs. Yeah, arguably. Arguably. All right, we didn't do upcoming events. Can you believe it? Heading out after the show on Thursday to uh, where? Where am I going? Des Moines, Red Iowa. Red Pill Expo. Red Pill Expo. Yep. And you guys, if you're not going to be there with me, I know Joni's going to be there, so we'll have some uh, fun interviews coming up, I'm sure. Um, but uh, you can stream it live, too. But buy your tickets. Click on the link at robertscottbell.com in the upcoming events tab, and you can see all of those wonderful things you can tap into, including the relaxed far infrared saunas, and 10% off, uh, no, $100 off with the RSB 100, code. 100 bucks off, yeah. 100 bucks, and that's the, I have the upgraded one, which is, uh, uh, you can see behind me on my left, if you're, well, actually, you can't right now. I'm not on screen. There it is. That's the relaxed sauna. The, the black one is sort of an upgrade, if you want, but the other is the silver one. They're all just as good, um, but uh, you can get 100 bucks off. Scroll down, go to the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Convention, Labor Day weekend, Glendale Hilton Hotel, Glendale, L.A., California. Biomed Expo, September 14th through 17th, Las Vegas, Nevada. It's coming up before we know it. There's oh, the cool new and updated banner right there. That's a nice promo, huh? huh? Go to BiomedExpo to get tickets.com. BiomedExpo.com to get tickets. Uh, then we have the 10th annual. Oh, this is the anniversary of Healing Strong. Houston, Texas, September 29th, 30th. And I'll be there presenting as well. We have two options in early October. 6th through the 8th in Pittsburgh, PA, Nutritional Frontiers Professional Training Event. Get your tickets now. And the 8th Annual Your Health Freedom Gala and Symposium. And that includes Dr. Pierre Corey and more. And I'll be speaking there with uh, Jared St. Clair of Vitality Radio, Vitality Nutrition. Good guy. So we're going to have some fun at that one. Then we have the granddaddy of them all. The Health Freedom Expo, October 14th through 15th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, if you're going to the Trinity Live event for Trinity graduates and students and other healthcare providers, check it out at trinityschool.org or trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. And look at this. This is a beautiful uh, flyer as well that the Warners have put on. Looks like Kevin Sorbo is scheduled, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I'll be there. Judy Mikovits will be there. Dr. David Brownstein and Dr. John Witcher and Dr. What do we got? Uh, Jack Wolfson and his wife. So, and, yeah, there's Kimberly Overton as well. Yeah, what a crowd, man. What an audience. This is going to be great. And that's happening November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. I hope to see you all there at that event. Uh, that's going to be fun. Then we have our first event in the new year, Autism Health Summit, and that's in February over Groundhog Day, 2nd and 3rd. And that's thanks to our friend Tracy Slepsevic, the warrior mom. And it looks like Del Bigtree will be there, Dr. Andy Wakefield, James Lyons Wilder. Uh, it's going to be, wow, it's going to be a reunion. Dr. Brian, Brian Hooker, Hooker, who's just coming, he's coming out with a book. Uh, I oh, just saw yeah, something we got to get today. him out. Vax yeah. no, versus non-vax or something? Yeah, Vax. With Bobby Kennedy. Like yeah. Dude, there's some good stuff happening. There is. Yep, 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 yep. So please say thanks to those who support our message, Health Freedom and Healing Liberty, including Nutritional Frontiers, where you can get muscles like mine or bigger with super creatine. 
the formula that I'm utilizing now, and I've been able to put on some serious muscle weight, even without massive bodybuilding, right? I do a lot of high intensity training with a little bit of weight, but not much. And it's really made a difference. Super creatine. And it's on sale this month. RSB 15, get an additional 15% off. Use, use that code to double dip and nutritionalfrontiers.com. And what I need to be taking a lot more of today, it's been a stressful day, lots going on, <laughs> is the uh, certified organic U.S. grown CBD hemp. And I'm taking some mint flavored one, cbdnf.com. That's also Nutritional Frontiers. RSB 15, 15% off. Mm, that's good. Mm. All right. Any uh, questions or comments going on? Uh, one other thing, got a new a new event that's coming up uh, that you won't be there. It's not an upcoming event for you, okay? But I'm going to be sending an email out on this, and I just we just started promoting this. It's called Healing for the Ages, and this is going to have uh, Brian Artis, Ed Group, uh, Henry, Henry Ely, Ely. Yeah. and I can't remember her first name Schmidt uh, mm -hmm. coming up in. September, I believe it is. There it is. September 8th uh, and 8th 9th. 8th and 9th. Okay, there's a lot yes. going on. So use the yep. VIP promo code BELL to get $10 off your registration. This is in the show notes. If you check out okay. today's show notes, and I'll have an email going out for this. Sweet. Thanks for doing that. Yep. Yeah, go ahead and put that up there. I want people to go to that, too. Yeah, in fact, I was thinking we could get maybe get Brian Artis back on the show to talk about him. For sure. Yeah, would be there's good. a lot of folks. I want. So what did you think of uh, today's show? We, we did we had some pretty good. intense topics. It was good. Yeah. And everybody thought it was live until you messed it up and told them. <laughs> I like telling people about it. It was seamless. It was, it was perfect. It's kind of cool to know how good you are to do that. Well, it's a, it's a team effort. Yeah. But uh, it worked. All right. You know, because I was thinking, I was sweating a little bit this morning because I wasn't mm. sure. You know, I was like, mm -hmm. was he going to connect? And I was like, well, what if he doesn't? Then what are we going to do? <laughs> did you tell Jonathan? Did you tell Jonathan Emord for Thursday? Um, no, I did not. Because I'm looking at we got Dr. James Johnston to pre-record that morning, but that's the slot. It's just for the first. Jonathan oh, you're right. You're right. Hundred percent. So, uh, James could correct. go live in the afternoon. We need to really make that correction. I just yep, noticed good, that right now. Good catch. And then afterwards, we head out to Boise. No, yep. not to Boise. I'm sorry. I had to do another training there. Des Moines. Oh, good Lord. I got a 5 o'clock training on Copper today after the show. Man, this is a busy day. Wow. I, I you know, I snuck out in between recordings to the garden, and I picked a couple of dozen uh, fri fresh, ripe blackberries that are so juicy, delicious. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I think my wife got the uh, envelope so we can send out the pack, you know, the safe packed envelopes for the uh, apricots that put folks in our uh, patron AMA that won that. And those of you who called in and said, why you listen to or watch the Robert Scott Bell show are also going to get some apricots from my garden. I need to get you some addresses, don't I? Yeah. Yep. We got to get those addresses. Yep. So. All right. Any other questions or comments before we wrap it up? Uh, we're. I don't think so. That's it. Okay. Final Easy call. Last call for questions or comments, y'all. Last okay? call for alcohol. What is the uh, George Thurgood would say? K. What is the green K? What platform is that? We're getting comments kick. from. Kick. Okay. Yep. Kick. Kick, where Welcome they obviously kick. have uh, uh, very creative usernames. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that is very creative. 
I don't think I would have come up with that one. As we were talking about uh, Caitlyn Jenner, right? I think that that's borrowed from a, a Will uh, Ferrell um, name. Oh, is it? Okay. I think may, maybe it was. Uh, it's a borrowed. Was it? Was it? It's a variation of it, if I remember correctly, from Anchorman. Okay. I think he used the name McGee. Okay. Something McGee, right? I think that's related. That's my that's memory it. of it, anyway. All right. Well, we appreciate all people who tune into the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here. Tomorrow we'll figure out what we're doing. I think we got some semblance of an idea of what we're doing. I hope. I think. Well, Maybe. I have not heard back yet from from uh, Ty from Ty as to whether he's going to be available or not. Okay. But that would be the second hour and the first hour. Uh, we wide open are right wide now. open, so it'll okay. be new news of the day, which is okay. I like to do that sometimes. Have you been capturing uh, like little snippets of the show for Anna, our friend, who's yes. helping us out on social media? Yep. Okay. In fact, Great. I've already, I've got I've got it written down here what today's is going to be because I. Dude, yeah, I, I you had a always... mic drop moment in the opening monologue of hour two that was was amazing. Oh, excellent! So this is it. We had to ch- kind of turn our radar back onto that. Uh, to make promos, so we'll see how that goes. So, yep. y'all, if you if you're following on social media, the Instagram is Ask RSB, and and I had the idea of changing my handle on Twitter to Ask RSB as which well, it, which it is, is smart, yeah, yeah it so is. that we got it both there. And on Facebook, it's the RSB Show. Thing, Those yeah, are the I don't things. think I can change that. That's, yeah, I don't think we can change that. Yeah, so that's fine, dude. Good show, good guests. Thank you, Kevin. If you're awake still, we want to. Can't wait to hear from you, see what's going on, and have you share some amazing stories and adventures. So, and thank you to Heather Alice Shea for being on board. She was, again, she was great. Yeah, she was was great. uh, Grand slam home run of an interview. I love love what she was doing. And uh, Derek Bros, the only thing, I wish it was better audio. He had some internet issues, but still, the content was really valuable. And I really appreciate what Derek's been doing uh, for years now. And uh, maybe I can hit that Mexico thing in January. That, that'd be cool. He kind of said, maybe you could speak at that. I'm like, wow, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So these are the considerations as we move forward to other events. This would be the, this would be a first for the show. Yeah. I do broadcast from Mexico. From Mexico. Right. Say it right. Uh, Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> I'm not Mexican, so I'll say it in English. Mexico. But you, but you like Mexican food. I I I do like Mexican food, not as much as I like uh, Italian food. You just don't like their hot plates. <laughs> oh, I snorted. We'll save that for another time. Made me laugh. Yes. Made myself laugh. That's bad. All right, guys and girls, thank you for being here. Shout out to all y'all for sharing the show, and thank you. Uh, remember, the next AMA for Zoom for patron supporters will be the twenty sixth of August. That's a Saturday noon. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I think you need to change that in the calendar. I think you have it off by an hour. Double check that. And then... Uh, it should be 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, Yeah, for, for for mountain time. Oh, is but it I, 9 a.m. Pacific should, time? 9 a.m. Pacific, yeah. Oh. We, that's oh, the look, way we've always done it. Yeah. I Noon yeah, Eastern. I just... Yeah. Senior moment. Um, yeah. Ty just confirmed for tomorrow, so we've got Ty Bowling. Oh, dude. That, yeah. It'll be a reunion. We haven't had Ty on for a while. And it was like five years ago, right about now, I just passed through Ty's place heading west from Florida as we were moving out west. Yeah, cool. Five years, dude. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Time flies. How did that happen? 
I know. So we were on our way across country with the, 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 the kids when they weren't as grown up and the cat. And we made it. A miracle. It's a miracle. All life is a miracle. And there you are. So y'all watch the Jim Baker show. We have it linked up somewhere, somehow. It's in the uh, chat room. But like I said, jimbakershow.com. Mm-hmm. And remember, Baker has two Ks in it. And, yeah. John uh, Hewlett and Lisa Hill also guesting with me on that show. And it's a fun discussion on nitric oxide and cardio miracle. Yes, sir. All right. Well, God willing, we'll be back here less than 22 hours from now. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow.